This is Tanner Today. I'm Trish Wood. This is Tammy Peterson. This is Curtis Stone. This is Quick Tick McDick. This is Akira the Don, and you're listening to the Sean Newman Podcast. Welcome to the podcast, folks. Happy Saturday. As we continue the countdown of the top 10 episodes of uh, 2023. So um, if, if we roll through it here, today we're at episode number four. Uh, you got to go back, you know, to the start of the month where we, we started with number 10 was Dr. Robert Malone. Number nine, Ken Drysdale. That was the Drysdale Report episode. Uh, then it was then it was Jamie uh, Sinclair and Chuck Prodnick, the first ever. It wasn't quoted as the military roundtable, but that that's essentially what it was. Then you had number seven as Tamara Leach. I think we all know who that is. Number six was Dr. Eric Payne and Dr. William Mackis. Then The Raging Dissident was number five, Jeremy McKenzie, which leads us to today, the top four. And today's number four episode is The Cowboy Preacher. You know him as Joshua Allen. And I remember sitting across from this man, and, and since then we've, uh, you know, I've, I've been out um, uh, out in the backcountry with him a, a few times, and we, we certainly talk more than uh, we knew each other before we walked in, you know, shook hands and sat down and uh, was blown away with what he was doing with the men's camp, uh, the man camp up up north. And, uh, you know, he came in and, and laid it down. And obviously this struck a chord with a whole chunk of you because here it is at number four. And without further ado, uh, my friend, the cowboy preacher, Joshua Allen. The, the the guy who built is Carly Clausen, his his group of uh, folks over at uh, um, Windsor Plywood, and in year one, I was sitting in this old basement of a house, and a buddy of mine, Ken Rutherford, had said, "Like I got a spot for you to put your podcast." And walked in. There's most poop on the floor, and you know you kind of like everything. So we just tore it all apart, built a wall kind of like this one, mm-hmm. and then just started putting it together. And at the start, it was like an old office desk, you know, like one of them that comes standard in every, you know, corporation building under the sun. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I just went into Windsor and I said, you know, it'd be really cool if you could build me a table. And we just did it for, you know, like uh, I gave him advertising and, and I said, like, as long as I'm doing the podcast... You know, the table's mine, but I quit the podcast, give it right back. You can sell it and, you you know, you can do whatever you want with Mm -hmm. it. And uh, 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 at the time, I'm sure he's like, (laughs) well, that seems like a pretty fair deal, right? And I don't know if he thought I was going to use it for six months or whatever. Now we're going into year five, you know, and it hasn't gone anywhere. It's a a solid uh, hunk of wood. And the thing is, is like uh, um, when people come in, you know, through COVID, nobody was coming in, so nobody got to see it. Uh, but when people come in, they all do the same thing. I, I, other, others appreciate it for what it is more, but everybody touches it and looks at it and like, oh, man, this is something. Oh, I've, I've always loved wood. And uh, building all these axe targets that we made for this man camp, we used 3 by 12 like recycling old tank boards. And uh, this is the fanciest one I've ever seen. But um, a buddy of mine who was a drill and rig consultant for years, like chains and mud and winch trucks and... He's taken a passion for doing these resin boards like this. I don't think his are quite this thick, but um, just this last while, he's put a ton of money into it, and he's starting to do it all the time. Yeah, well, it's one of the things I always talk about with Windsor in specific. You know, I sound like I'm doing an ad right now, but (laughs) um, I've always loved the pieces of wood they get in there, right? Mm -hmm. Like, they they have some just character wood. Like, when you walk in, you're like, oh, man. So my, my goal eventually, Josh, 
is uh, as much as I love the the long table. So Carly, if you're listening, you know you got to be on the lookout. I should probably just mention it to him, but I would love for it to be a round table. Like there's oh, yeah. these big chunks of round. You could like, and and then you do the resin on it, and mm-hmm. I don't know how the heck I would ever get mics. This you know because it'll be a thick whatever, mm-hmm. but like. That's what I hope, because I think a round table would be more conducive to what I want to have the feel be. like. But uh, regardless, I can't. I, I'm, I'm complaining about nothing. Like this is a beautiful piece. Like when I get walked in the studio, I'm like, oh man, my studio's got to start to match what my table looks like. You know. Well, your dad's down at the river fixing fence all the time. That's where I met him. Yeah. And uh, tell him to keep his eyes peeled every now and then. A, like a huge pine, large enough for a table. No, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to put that in the back of your brain now, Mm -hmm. too. I'll keep my eyes peeled. We're down there all the time. (laughs) Well, give me, you got to, you know, I don't, I don't know. We can talk about this a little, you know, how this comes to be, because this is kind of out of the blue, you know? It's a little bizarre, too, because um, just a few years ago, I'm down by the river, checking the river intake, right? I look after wells, and uh, I see this old cowboy up the river pulling on this barbed wire. (laughs) And uh, ever since I come to know the Lord, I pay attention when the Lord brings people into my life, right? Because the Lord knows only what he wants to do. And uh, I walk up the river and meet this cowboy. He's yarding on this fence that the ice has ripped out. And um, we must have spent half an hour, 45 minutes pulling it out. And that was the first Newman I ever met. And then uh, just the other day, my buddy Robin at work, he says, man, you got to meet this guy, Sean Newman. (laughs) Uh, you're hardcore like him. And I said, well, Lord willing, I will. And uh, left it at that. We finished the day. Three, four days later, I'm in at LNL talking to Tyson Morbutter, who's really blessed us with this upcoming man camp we're doing. And um, I was sharing just a, a little testimony of where the Lord's brought me from. And and uh, I'm truly proof that he'll take a wild animal and turn his life around. And uh, there was another fellow there. And um, two days later, I get a call from Tyson. He's like, man, my friend figures you ought to meet Sean Newman because uh, you've got an incredible story. <laughs> and, uh, man, it was just days after Robin said you got to meet this guy. So as soon as I heard Sean Newman wanted to uh, actually have coffee and spend some time, I was like, for sure, I'm going to be there. You know, it's, I don't know why it, it, even that story makes me emotional. And it, it's just like it's... it's um surreal to hear somebody tell it like that you know because lots of like i mean that's how it's been playing out lately you mm-hmm. know just like you know and i you, you I, my side of the story is i'm sitting at uh i think i'm sitting at hockey you know a noon hour hockey and sam's sitting there and he's been on the podcast a, a while back you know he played in the world's longest hockey game uh and uh, he was sitting beside me. He's like, you got to meet this Josh. Allen. I'm like, this is something. I'm like, well, t- tell me about it. Just, just you know, give me your elevator pitch. Because uh, people come through the, the text. Like, it, it was just this morning I got uh, most likely two more guests coming on uh, over the next, you know, whatever it turns out to be. And it comes from people saying, you need to meet this person. Okay. Okay. Well, give it to me. What, what's what's caught your eye? And then, and then he goes, "Well, he's a guy who went from the, the you know, I don't know, I, and I'm going to hear about it, mm-hmm. but the dark side, if you would, mm-hmm. and uh, found God." And he goes, "And he's intense, and he's got you know all these <laughs> stories, and like sounds like my type of guy. Let's 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 hear him out." So you know, I know Tyson. <clears throat> One text, and uh, Sam's sitting there beside him. He's laughing. He's like, "It's that quick." I'm like, "Well, we don't need to wait on this." I'm mm-hmm. like, "In my opinion." If you're telling me, and he was sitting with Tyson, and then, you know, I'm like, it's it's, it's going to be, you know, we'll, we'll see. Like, maybe he's not interested. And then you're like, 
you're not going to believe this. Same with Robin Noble. And if Robin Noble hadn't have said that just yeah. two days before, I'd have said, well, maybe I can make time. But uh, that type of coincidence doesn't just happen all the time. And, um, no, I truly am um, <laughs> a unique story. Um, I, I, well, tell, tell us about it. We yeah, got yeah. all the time I, in the I, world. I, so I don't have, I, a, I don't have a, a you know, memorized script. Uh, I just come from... Uh, riding fence and uh, well, where, where let's start here. Where where are you originally from? I was born in Chauvin, Alberta, and um, grew up on a farm there. Farming kind of petered out for my family. The the you know the uh, interest rates in the eighties weren't you know yeah real good twenty percent, and so my dad decided to get into the oil field big time, and I tour around the country following his work and. Uh, and spent the last 13 years of my life, at that point, living in Bonneville. Um, I made some poor choices. Um, working on the service rigs and chasing pipelines, I decided to um, make alcohol a big part of my life. Alcohol and drugs and the wildlife, the party scene. And uh, it cost me dearly. It literally... Um, Filled my life with emptiness and pain. And uh, I didn't come to know the Lord in the church or because I went to some type of a special meeting. Um, I picked up a Bible at a house party. And I began to read the Word of God and something snapped in my head. Um, somehow, reading the Word of God opened my eyes to the fact that there was hope for me if this Jesus I was reading about was legit. And uh, the more I read the word, the more I seemed to hear this like still small voice in the back of my head kind of directing me to make changes in my life. No more booze, no more drugs, say goodbye to the girlfriends, and just focus on the life I have for you. And I began to read the Word of God, and the more I did, I could feel my life changing for the better. And something radical happened, man. I just, I tell people that I'm proof the Lord would take the, you know, the worst of misfits, a wild animal, and turn his life around. And um, the hundreds and thousands of people that knew me prior will agree with that. Um, I was a hopeless case. They all figured I'd be dead by the time I was 20. But at the age 21, I found the Lord in, the, like, the darkest place. And uh, I also tell him that I was similar to, like, Lieutenant Dan on the top of Forrest Gump's ship at that point. After three weeks of being in the Word of God, I, uh, I found myself outside my four-wheel drive getting psyched to go to work on a rig. And uh, still in the booze, still... Still kind of lost and hollering at God and saying, you know, if you're real like this book says you are, if this Jesus really can change my life, I dare you to show up and try. And if you can, I'm willing to let you and I'll serve you for the rest of my life. And it sounds like a religious fantasy, but uh, from that point on, man, I walked away from that dark life in an instant. And uh, the world around me thought I was actually losing it because I changed that hard and fast. Um, of course, that's 2001, right? Because I'm 43. 
um, proof that you can actually get free and stay free um, throughout the the last 21, 22 years. Um, I thought I could, you know, kind of take lordship back into my own hands a few times, and uh, slowly but surely, my life began to unravel again, and like that emptiness and that need for something to fill that void begin to grow and and develop back into that same condition I once had. But the Lord is gracious and took me back every time. He's so faithful, right? Which leads me to now. Um, I'm, I have a beautiful wife, Leah. I got four kids. Um, I'm incredibly busy with cattle and looking after wells. And um, I'm really struggling two years ago to maintain my marriage, to be the father I knew I had to be to these kids. And um, I realized that my walk with God had grown stale, and I couldn't maintain that life that the Lord had built for me um, on my own, in my own strength. So I, um, realizing this, went back to the Lord and started back at the basics, more time in the Word, um, taking time each day to look to Him, and, uh, and asking Him to forgive me for trying to really do it in my own strength. And man, He just poured the fire to it. And this last two years, I've been on fire. I've been, I've been looking to him every day to use me. I've been feeding myself on the Word of God like a starving person. And uh, each and every day that I do that, he's been opening doors to meet people and to uh, encourage them and be a part of their lives. And, uh, well, we don't have time today to talk about all the incredible things the Lord's done in the last two years, but um, it's impacting the the countryside around me. It's an incredible thing. Um, for instance, last year, February, um, I find myself um, at my church where I go to church here in Lloyd, um, working with a, a group of individuals trying to share the love and the light of Christ with nonprofits and different outreaches and things. But the, the group is almost entirely made up of females. Uh, ladies, wonderful ladies. I'm convinced the body of Christ is um, held together by females. <laughs> um, they got to be the body and the backbone of the body of Christ at least. And uh, I began to get a little bit critical that there wasn't more men involved. And men are out there working their tails off trying to feed the kids and make the bills meet. And life's gotten so busy. Um, they always have excuses. They're not doing things that are wicked or evil, you know, in a sense, but they're always busy. So they're not really taking part a lot of times or getting involved. And I became critical about this. And I believe the enemy was using it to really make me negative instead of productive. And uh, I was just, you know, in my devotion saying, God, what, what do I do about this? And uh, it just became clear to me. Uh, that instead of whining about it and sniveling about it, I should let him use me to do something about it. And uh, that's where he put it on my heart to start this man camp. And uh, I didn't have time for a man camp. So, God, if you want me to do this, you got to make a way. You got to give me, like, the energy, the zeal, the passion to do it because I got a lot on my plate. And, I mean, I'm looking to you for strength already. But as the days went on, man, this fire in me to do something to stir up the men around me, to be the men of God that they created, they were created to be, just grew and grew and grew. 
and uh, I phoned a buddy of mine up north, uh, this Yarl Grutyson, he's a good buddy of mine. And he also, the Lord's pulled him right out of the fire too. And I told him, man, God's put on my heart to do something to wake up the men in the world. He says, me too, man, I can't explain it. It's so, so timely you're mentioning this. I've been struggling with this. I said, well, let's pray and we'll see what God wants to do. And, and the next week, we'd come up with a plan. He, he's involved with a church camp west of Bonneville, this Moose Lake Pentecostal camp. And he's a technically savvy guy and a real business mind. And I'm like a, like a bare-knuckle cowboy that's never done nothing <laughs> but the oil field, right? And I've, I mean, I didn't have skin on my knuckles for six years of my life before I met Christ. Like, and um, he says, well, I'm on this camp board, and... And I think I'll talk to him. We can use the camp to do this weekend. And I said, we'll call it Fishers of Men, Man's Camp, and uh, we'll put it in God's hands. He's going to make a way. It's like, okay, all right, man, I'm on board. One thing led to another, and um, the, the camp board actually allowed it. You know, a couple of wild animals wanting to do something at a productive church camp. I mean, they could have just told us, forget it. But uh, he says, no, they're going to let us do it. Uh, make a little video. So I, I was checking fence. I climbed off my horse, put on a clean shirt, and in 15 minutes, the Lord had given me a word that I, I mean, I never made a video in my life. The only video I was on was like a surveillance video. And uh, this word came forth, man, that was like um, incredible. I mean, it moved me as much as it moved the men, but it spawned this thing. And uh, he posted it on his Facebook, and... Uh, I wasn't on Facebook. I mean, I didn't have time to have a smartphone, let alone Facebook. And um, it was encouraging men to show up to be a part of this man camp and to let God empower them to be the fathers, the husbands, the men of God in the community um, that he had created them to be. And uh, every step of the way, from the speaker to the meals to the finances, the Lord just, like, it, it overwhelmed me how he made a way. It just clicked. Like it doesn't click in the natural world. It just came together. And it encouraged me every step of the way when he did that because I'd lived long enough to know that things just don't work out that slick. And uh, even a, a, a religious group of individuals, I'm sure they meant well, they, they said, well, we've seen a lot of these man camp things and different outreaches come along and, um, just don't be discouraged if nobody comes because, I mean, it's it's kind of flimsy mm. and you guys don't really have a bunch of experience with this and and just don't let it bring you down if it fails radically. And I said, well, no, I, I understand where you're coming from. I mean, the Lord hasn't put it on your heart like he has ours. But you got to understand, he's literally confirmed this every step of the way and, and we're going to follow through with it and see what he has up. Well, 135 men showed up that first day including the staff would be 140 plus and we didn't have room for any more no more chairs no more plates no more anything we had to shut the door and um, the uh, the man of God that had committed to to preach I mean he, he was preaching from the word of God there's no Oprah Winfrey or Dr. Phil involved this was right from the book old school Bible preaching um, he brought the word and uh, I didn't know what, how the men were going to receive this. A lot of these guys weren't Christian guys. They said, if there's any of you out there that want to be um, strengthened, 
by the Lord, you want to make a decision to follow Christ. Seventy men stormed the altar and surrendered their lives to Christ, or rededicated their lives to Christ. I never seen a move of God like that in my life. Grown men like transformed. Guys that never met the Lord, and some of them with major issues, walked away that day and left this man camp three days later. Completely changed. Um, it, was, it started a half day on a Friday, full day Saturday, half day Sunday. Um, we had big bacon egg breakfast. Um, there was a short church service in the morning. Um, then we threw axes, dozens of axes, and shot bows, and we did a little fishing derby. Um, because we didn't realize the amount of men were coming, we only rented five, six, seven boats, and we didn't have near enough. But guys were fishing off the dock and the shore, and, and uh, we had these little prizes. You know, Richardson had donated a couple of watches, and, uh, and we had bought a bunch of big fancy leather Bibles. This year we got these... Fisher, uh, we got these full armor of God, like football championship rings for the prizes on the axes and the 12 man tug of war and that. But it's incredible. Um, we added canoe racing, this big tug of war. We bought um, more bows and built more targets. Tyson Moorbutter, he let us use his CNC plasma cutter. It's a fancy computerized deal. And, uh, hammered out like a hundred plus axes in no time and then guys just grinding and sharpening these throwing. so when is this this camp this year you see last year it was in september and uh so many men left change that their wives mostly and their pastors and people that knew them were phoning to find out what we did because some of these guys um 20 years of marriage these these ladies had never seen these men on fire and encouraged and like full of joy and peace. And they, will, they a lot of them come to the camp depressed and discouraged and empty and anxious. And they just went home charged. So they're all phoning. When are you doing the next one? I said, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm new at this. I don't, if, I don't even know if we're going to do a next one. It took a lot of work and money, like thousands, tens of thousands. And I said, I'll only do another one if the Lord puts it on my heart, like something supernatural. I, w I don't have time for it otherwise. I, I'm not going to be a part of some just stale religious thing. There's, there's enough of that. But if he puts it on my heart heavy, so much that I can't get it off, we'll do another one. And this year it's in June 9th, 10th, and 11th. Half a day in June 9th, right? Registration opens at lunch, June 9th. Supper at 5 goes through till Sunday the 11th at noon, and then we're going to have another water baptism. We didn't even think to have a water baptism last year. It just happened. A bunch of these guys, they surrendered their life to Christ. They're just lit up, and they're like, what do we do next? I said, well, you just got to follow Christ from here on, boys. Feed yourself on the Word, and you're going to have to get water baptized eventually because the Lord you know, instructed it in the Word. Well, let's do it now. We did it. We did a big water baptism. It was incredible. This year we plan to do one the Sunday afternoon, and the families are welcome to come. And gonna have a barbecue, and actually a bunch of oil field outfits have donated now their trailer barbecues. These huge barbecues, L and L Tyson's donated the L and L one for the for the weekend. Um, one outfit that didn't really want a bunch of publicity or, or uh, PR, but Kudo from Bonneville, uh, Wild Rose. You know, 
uh, not to pull you away from what you're talking about, but what what I think of is, uh, it's funny, June 9th, 10th, 11th, I'm like, oh, of course, the next S&P Presents, the next show that Sean puts on the live show is June 10th. I, no I have been doing live shows uh, at the casino here in town, just in the, not in the actual casino, but in their like event center. Yeah. And I did my first one in uh, Edmonton um, in March. And it wouldn't have been possible if it wasn't for businesses, you know. Yeah, and yeah. and uh, uh, there's some businesses. They didn't, two of them in Edmonton didn't, were just like, don't even mention us. I'm like, well, you, you, you're the major sponsor <laughs> of this thing. That's it. It's like, no, nah, no, nah, we, we believe in what you're doing. And uh, we need more of it. And you're like, oh, okay. Oh, okay. They you make know? it happen. Yeah. Like it's. Who's got $30,000, $40,000 to put on a man camp just out of pocket? No, they make it happen. They come alongside you and they contribute and they support you. And it encourages you when they do it, right? Well, and, and when you talk about a man camp, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, um, I've been, I've been uh, talking a lot about, and I wonder if some of this is where you got to talk to Sean, right? Is I've been talking a lot about men need to get into men's groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't mean men's groups where you go and drink beer and, and sit around and, and, you know, not talk about anything or talk about the Oilers. I mean, they, 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 uh, in the playoffs and everything, but like, um, and certainly that's not like it can't be in there. Uh, exactly. but at the same token, you got to start talking about real things. Oh, you yeah. got, you know, um, we started a book club, uh, five of us talked a lot about this. It, listeners tease me because I've been, you know, I've been talking a lot about it, but I'm dead serious. This is no coincidence. Uh, five years ago, 2018, we started a book club and, has it been all sun, sunshine and roses? No. But uh, the idea was better husbands, better fathers. That's where it stemmed from, right? That's like, awesome. I mean, and uh, if you go back to the first podcast, folks, in the first podcast, me and Ken are talking about it. He's like, do you want to talk about this? Are we not talking about it? It's kind of weird. You know, it's kind of like tabooed. And I'm like, no, we can talk about it. I'm like, even when I look back on it, though, there was embarrassment to be a better mm-hmm. husband and a better father. Like, think about that. And right now, I'm just like, when I hear what you're talking about, the only thing I'm not angry about, I'm like, disappointed in this. Like, Sounds super right up my alley. Like, I'd love to come and, and experience it, it right? Mm-hmm. Like, to me, that sounds like exactly what so many men are after. Is they're, they're after, honestly, like, trying to get around and, and better themselves. And what does better husband even mean? What does a better mm-hmm. father even mean? Like, how do, I, how do I figure those things out? What do I, you know? And I, I just read, oh, man. Um, of course, I don't have my phone on me. But uh, I was just, I just had Tanner and a day in here not too long ago. So we were talking about the Bible, you know, and one of the, if you follow the truth, it'll lead you to the light. I'm, I'm butchering this folks. I'm new to this, but uh, you know, if you follow the, if you, you speak the truth or you follow the truth, it'll lead you to the light and the light being Jesus. And it's me, so me and Tanner have had lots of conversations about this. He's the way, the truth and the life. Yeah. Because it's. It's interesting to me. Like I find mm-hmm. it fascinating. You know, I find more so even fascinating the the the, the series of events that lead our two stories kind of together. Uh, you know, like well, what is that? Well, I didn't uh, I didn't come um, from a past of being a Christian. You know, in a in a perfect Christian world. Um, you mind? I, I, do you mind sharing a little bit about that, Josh? I will. Uh, you I will. know, like I, I wouldn't mind if the, uh, you know, you say you were in the, the a dark place. I, I was in a very dark place. But I, I I don't know what that. To me, I have an idea what that means, mm-hmm. but I, I would love for you to share because there's going to be people listening to us that are in that dark place. You know, you bet. You bet. No, my mother. I was very great. I'm very thankful uh, for a mother that was, uh, you know, encouraging me to look to Christ my whole young life. She was a Christian. And my dad let her be, and uh, I grew up 
not really wanting to be just like my mother, but more so like my father, who's you know never really surrendered completely to the Lord at all. Um, he would go to church when I was a child to more so please my mother. And um, as years went on, um, him and my mother's relationship kind of broke down, and um, they separated and were divorced just before I was 16. Um, but I'd, I'd, I'd never, you know, surrendered my life to Christ. I was introduced to him as a little boy. I mean, my mother tried very hard to steer me in that direction, uh, but I rebelled and ran as hard and fast away from God as I could. I wanted nothing to do with it. Um, I had known some, some men, and that was the trouble. I focused on people more so than the Lord, but I'd known some Christian men that really let me down. And I said, um, I don't ever want to be like them. And I think this, this whole Christianity thing's a, a scam, some a scam. kind of religious <laughs> scam or a cult, cult of yeah. sorts. And um, I wrote it off completely. So from 10 years old to 21, I went as hard and fast in the other direction as I could. And I made poor choices. I tried to like find happiness, joy, and peace in the things of the world, the women, the, the, you know, the drinking, the parties, even drugs. And, you know, in my late teens, uh, I got into, you know, cocaine, um, hard liquor, and I was an alcoholic. From the time I was 15 to 21, hard drugs and booze, fighting. Uh, I, I, you know, the Lord made me high energy, he really did, and uh, really athletic. Wired really tight, and I didn't back up good. I don't really have a good reverse. And um, in that mind frame and in that life, I was probably, you know, 10 times as violent as the average person. I remember fighting every weekend for years and training mixed martial arts just so that I could continue to keep my head above water doing this. And... Um, yeah, I tried to fill that void with the booze and the excitement of the world and and all the things of the world, and it's just like a band-aid. It doesn't it doesn't heal it or fix it. It just covers it. And uh, like I said, and when I when I was 21, I I uh, I picked up that Bible at a house party. Could could you could you go through the the night of, of picking up the Bible? You're at a I house could, party because I mean I won't go into great detail sure. because it's it's quite dark. Um, but I was surrounded by incredibly dangerous human beings. And one of those men was uh, flipping through a Bible. And uh, in his frame of mind and with no respect for God, he began to tear pages out and wreck this thing. And uh, then he hollered at me. He said, hey, blankety blank, put your gun down and quit drinking. Come over here. You're in the Bible. And I said, what are you talking about? Look here, Joshua. It says here, Joshua hamstrung their horses and burnt their chariots. So maybe I was in the Bible. It was Joshua 11.6, the first verse I ever read as an adult. And uh, I took that Bible away from me. You don't wreck a Bible, you meatball. I almost slapped him. And uh, Why do you think he said that? I said, deep down, I think I had a respect for the Word of God, even yeah. from because of my mother and my my grandparents, you know, hammering that into me as a child, even though I'd rejected it. And, and uh, It's an interesting thought, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it was. But there was a respect for the Word of God. And it was that Word that really, you know, essentially, initially transformed my life. I didn't find Christ in a church. 
I mean, I had a lot of opportunities. My mother forced me to go to church as a child, and I remember getting spanked almost every time because I was that kind of haywire kid getting in trouble. But um, I began to read that word, man, and I was still drinking. And uh, the drugs and the alcohol were all over this house, and I was oblivious to it. My life was in shambles. Um, guilt, uh, the sin, and uh, the lifestyle, it just left me completely cold and empty. And I began to read this Word of God, man, and, and the Word of God is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path, right? Proverbs 3, 6. I begin to read it, and like, when your life's that dark, man, that light is so easy to see. Like, uh, I was hunting bullet. I was in bad shape. Any, any, any night, I could have been. It could have been the end of the line back then. And uh, I begin to read the Word of God, and something snapped in my head. Something opened my eyes. It says that the you say snapped, and I think clicked. Clicked. Yeah, that's it. Right. It says faith comes by hearing in Romans 10, 17, and hearing by the Word of God. So we obviously need to hear, and what opens our spiritual ears is the Word of God. Right? It says that the Word cleanses and sanctifies it, literally washes off the filth and the lies of the enemy. That's what happened. I began to read the Word, and uh, I mean, I could barely read at that point. I hadn't read nothing in like five years, and uh, it was incredible. It opened my eyes to how vile my life had become and how filthy uh, the choices I was making were. And it also opened my eyes. Like it, The word in James 1 says it's like a mirror a man looks into, right? And um, that word, it doesn't just point out the flaws in your life and the areas that need to change and, and all the mistakes you've made. Of course, it exposes them. It exposes sin for what it is, right? The word does. But it also exposes the fact that the Lord Jesus wants to pour out the fullness of everything he lived and died and rose again to give you and all the hope you could have in him and all the blessings of God that you're not living in. Like it, it does a mighty work on your brain. So as I read this word, things begin to click that I couldn't fathom before. And I, I ended up reading that Bible for like three weeks. Choices I had made uh, back in 2000, almost 2001, had left me um, in a situation where I didn't want to be out in public a whole lot during the day. Uh, you don't get to brawl that much. Yeah. You were living in the night. And cross the line that much. Um, you know, violence and crime, it doesn't pay. And uh, so I was mostly living at night. I, I, uh, sorry for butting in, you know, I, I've been, uh, I don't know. I've been listening to uh, different things. Re I've been reading the, the new Testament. I've been talking about this lots, um, or somewhat, I guess. Um, uh, but every morning I've been reading a new chapter cause I'm like, you know, I got to the point, uh, where I'm like, at some point, you know, if I'm going to read all these smart people, mm-hmm. But Jesus was pretty smart. I mean, can we just, you know, you, you don't have to be a devout Christian to go. Can you put him on the level of all these different people? Mm-hmm. And maybe we should put him a little higher. But yeah. at the end of the day, that's where Sean's brain was. So I just started reading the, the red words, right? Because obviously it's easy to find if you flip open a Bible. And, and then, uh, but that doesn't give you the, the context of the story. And so, you know, then I decided, okay, let's, let's just read this from the start. And I find it very fascinating 
like very very fascinating uh when he talks about the you know when he when he gets taken in the middle of the night you know for the crucifixion i mean what eventually becomes a crucifixion it's in the night and, and he the doesn't have gets him and he, and, and yeah. he hasn't it's not the, i forget how he phrases it and, and certainly maybe you can refresh my memory but he's he's basically saying i have no power in the, in the middle of the night I, I you know this is you know, I'm not going to stop him or whatever from uh, having power in them. And you think of, like, when do we all make poor choices? Middle of the night. Never in the, never in the light of day. Very little. I mean, they're trying right now. They're trying to, you know, like, and by they, I certainly mean if it's going to be the enemy, let's let's just call it what it is. That's like, it. it's 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 literally playing out in the daylight right now. And, and as long as none of us talk about it, it just continues to get to play. It's oh, like, man, yeah. it's like, okay, well, he has no power in the daylight. At nighttime, it's a little different. Yeah. You know? And there is an enemy. I think a lot of people make the first mistake. They don't realize that there's a dark force trying to literally sidetrack them um, and play out, you know, his will in the world. Um, the fact that they don't realize they're under attack makes them pretty vulnerable. I mean, I've heard it said the devil, the biggest trick he ever pulled was convincing, the convincing world. everybody he didn't exist. Yeah. No, you want to see there's an enemy, you just try, pick up the Word of God, try put all your kids and your wife in a car and take them to a church that's still preaching the Word of God on Sunday, and you'll encounter distraction and setbacks and everything. Well, try, uh, this is a simple one for me. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying, uh, maybe it won't work for other people, but for me, this, is, this has been my um, experience with it. I have like a little bit of a routine in the morning right now mm-hmm. where I get the kids off, get the wife out the door, they're off. Okay, good. And you sit down. And when you try to sit down, oh, yeah. two things happen. Your brain starts thinking a million miles a minute. And actually, I'm reading the screw tape letters. And as soon as I start reading, cold chills everywhere. I'm like, oh, like that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And so th- that's one. Two is uh, everything will buzz at you. You know, I wear a watch, I take it off because it, it, it's hooked to the phone and it wants to tell me that people are trying to get it or emails or whatever. Right. Yeah, yeah. And it starts talking and then, and then phone calls to come in and it's like, Oh, today must be an important day. That's the way I look at it now. I'm like, it must be an important thing. I'm about to sit down and read that's if that's it. the way it's going to work because it's strange. You know, uh, I, I was thinking maybe people can hear this or not. I'm, I, I chuckle about it, but I'm like, um, the, the studio is not even remotely soundproof, but I'm like, I've done so many interviews where nobody's ever in the building. Of course, people are in the building today. I'm like, that's that's interesting. You know, mm-hmm. maybe it's just coincidence. Mm-hmm. Maybe it is, Josh. But I'm like, that that's interesting to me, because normally this doesn't happen. You can just roll on for you know, uh, three hours and have nobody in the back. You, you know, from time to time you. Can I don't doubt that for a second, brother. Uh, you've you've stepped into my world of weird. Like since I became sold out, not just you know attending church once a week, but waking up each day and saying, God, use me. Um, you've, there's men calling for man camp as we speak. I got to like not answer this phone, but, um, <laughs> they, they, I'm gonna have to get a new phone number after man camp because it doesn't stop. Um, no, um, when but I, I, is that a bad thing? It's a great thing. Right. I've never seen so many lives changed, literally lives changed every day. Even like not meeting you prior to this podcast and not even really knowing what a podcast was. Um, I should have brought my Bible. The thing looks like a five-year-old got a hold of it with a pencil crayon. Um, it's not a bad thing. I've never seen so much good in all my life. But it's only like, it's only the last two years that I realized 
And then in order to not have my walk with God like a total roller coaster, I had to continue to acknowledge him in all my ways, and that meant every day. I couldn't just make him Lord for... Um, Monday to know, Friday. Three weeks or Sundays, while he got me or, out. Yeah, some kind of problem I'm facing, then run to God. No, he wants to be Lord of all. If he's not really like Lord of your life, if you're not looking to him or making him priority, is he really Lord at all? And so I realized this, man, and that's what really changed it all. When I realized that if I had, you know, looked to him every day and fed myself on the Word of God, and then when I had a decision to make, uh, went to him and looked to him for direction, I could avoid it all the ups and downs because like from 2001 till now, uh, there was like years of my life where I was lukewarm and like totally taking the reins back from the Lord into my own hands and making all the same stupid mistakes again, never getting back into the darkness like I was, but still um, not being the man I could it's, have been. It's a cautionary tale then, because the excitement of when you first pick up uh, and start to read it for what it is, mm-hmm. right, is very exciting. Mm-hmm. It's like one of my lowest moments I've ever had in my life came after Ottawa or maybe during Ottawa, where I, I, I truly thought like the movie's coming to an end. Like this is coming, everything's coming to an end. I don't know how to be more cryptic and not cryptic all at the same time. I just, to me, that's where I got to. And then the most exciting point was going, no, the adventure is just beginning. It is. Like it is just, but in saying that you're a cautionary tale because like you're, you're, you know, how old are you? You're 40. I'm 43. Jeez. You, I gotta be honest. You don't, you look pretty good for well, a 43 year old. If eh? I had not looked to Christ, I wouldn't, you wouldn't be looking at anything cause I'd be gone. Fair enough. Well, you think about it though. The cautionary tale for me comes at 21. Yeah. You find it. Something clicks. Yep. Boom. Change your life. But you're saying for the next you know, uh, 22, so the next eight, uh, 20 20, years, years, yeah. the next 20 years, yeah. you kind of just kind of like, well, just kind of like, I had a season, I had a season initially where he set me free and he, he rocked everyone that knew me with how much he transformed my life. And then once I got free and everything stabilized and I was living, you know, free and clear of that old life, I slacked off, man. I, you, you can't just look to the Lord in times of total trouble. If you're doing that, you're just going to be looking to him too late, and you'll find yourself in that trouble. But um, I slacked off about 2003. Um, I went to sleep spiritually for like three, four years. And uh, then when I realized once again that I, I couldn't be Lord of my life and expect the same results, I come back, and he's so faithful to forgive. Eh? I come back to the Lord. I humbled myself before God again, asked him to forgive me, which is key. Um, I took back up the word of God every day and pulled me up and out of that darkness like that again. What was it, uh, if you don't mind me asking, uh, so you you mentioned the house party at 21. Mm -hmm. Boom, you pick up the Bible, Mm -hmm. and uh, it's like something clicks. Then you talk, you you know, if I'm following the timeline, right, for a couple years you're like gung-ho. Yeah. Then there's the the lukewarm period where you just kind of that lukewarm period came shortly after I decided to get too busy to uh, take time each day to be in the world. So this is, this is an interesting thing of the Western culture. Mm -hmm. You know, I was talking about this with Paul Brandt and I, uh, folks, I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, interesting world I live in. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I've been to Paul Brandt's house and interviewed him there and, and, uh, it's weird. I was just literally, Emailed, email chatting with him yesterday. Anyways, it's a weird world I live in. You talk about a weird world. I'm in a weird world. Yeah, you're in it. And um, 
I forget what I was saying. What, Paul Brandt. Yeah, but what the heck were we talking about now? Well, the stability comes from being in the Word every day and looking to the Lord in all your ways. I like it, when I slacked off on that. The, the busyness. Too busy. The too busyness. Busy. Yeah. So Paul Brandt talks about going overseas to all these different countries, mm-hmm. and they talk openly about the spiritual world. Oh, yeah. He's like, they don't, they don't hide this. All you got to do is leave uh, Western civilization. We're talking, we're probably talking all of like Canada, North America, like the United mm-hmm. States, but we're also including Europe. We're probably including Australia. We're probably including a bunch of different places. Now, in fairness, I haven't been to Australia, folks. Maybe I'm wrong there. He's talking about uh, third world nations. He's talking about lower income. He's just talking about where you go to a place and the, the goal of life isn't to chase fame, success, riches. That's right. And what you'll see... And now I'm just paraphrasing Paul Brandt as he goes, they talk about the spiritual realm. They talk mm-hmm. about what's going on. They talk about that it's not. And he goes, but here we're so busy, we, we've forgotten it even exists. Yeah. So he goes, how do you how do you get people to slow down when we're so caught up in like chasing, you know, um, well, working our lives away. And I'm not saying that you that's a bad thing, right? No. It's like men uh, got to provide for their family. I Listen, I get it. Mm-hmm. I went through... Uh, uh, trying to get this podcast going, you know, um, it was, I don't know, three years of like up at five, work the podcast, go to work full day, come home, get the kids to bed, kiss the wife, go back to work the podcast. Sometimes over it's till 11, over and, over and over and over. And now this is the fruit of it. It, yeah. it, it, it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't work your butt off, mm-hmm. but I get what you're saying when you get too busy and you're just like, all of a sudden you've kind of forgot what you've learned. It's Because that has happened multiple times in my life. I'm convinced that uh, because the enemy is because creative of choices of you know to to live that lifestyle and to to um, to make those mistakes prior, um, they were exposed for what they were, and I won't fall for them again. Um, that living in the alcohol and drugs and the, making those huge mistakes, um, so they won't work for the enemy any longer. Now he doesn't just jump up in front of me and say, "Hey." Uh, let's go grab a 40 ouncer and have a party. No. Uh, instead, he gets behind me, I find, and he tries to push me uh, so hard and fast that when the Lord says, take a left, man, I, I'll blow right through the corner and get too busy. And that's what happened, man. I got too busy trying to be successful, trying to like prove I was productive and build a life that I for. I forgot to maintain my walk with the Lord, and I put the Bible down, and it was six months before I picked it up the first time, and I had to wipe dust off it. And then that was just for a quick read because maybe I was facing some troubles or having a rough day. Still didn't pick it up, never woke up. Left it down for another six months. After a year not being in the Word and spending no time in prayer trying to be Lord of my own life, I was in the ditch spiritually, man, and I was floundering. But he's so gracious. I picked it back up, man, and I got on my knees. I said, forgive me, Lord, for trying to do this on my own. It ain't working real good. Please forgive me. Take me back. Just like that, he's so good. Then I realized, oh, I got to be in the Word every day. God's breathing life back into me. I'm good for like five, six years. I'm having kids. And I'm married. And <coughs> <coughs> to try to maintain this life and this rat race that I've got myself into again like a fool put that Bible down and just get busy let my life get so busy again that my walk with God began to falter if you don't ever talk to him or feed yourself he is the word right John 1 in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and nothing was created without the word 
goes on, like verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's Jesus. You don't ever talk to the Lord. You don't ever humble yourself before God and spend time in prayer. You don't ever feed yourself on the Word. You don't ever follow the leading of that still, small voice that lines up with the Word. Man, your relationship's going to fall apart. And you're going to be back trying to do it in the flesh and your own strength, and you can't. That's something that's intense. I got to tell you this. So this year, man camp, right? I've been praying. I prayed like four or five. Every time somebody phoned and said, when's the next man camp? I said, I don't know if we're even doing one. I mean, I can't do it in my own strength. If God doesn't put it on my heart, I'm not doing it. Yeah. Praying like seven, eight weeks every day. God, give me direction. If you want to do a man camp, these guys are wanting one. They want more of what you did last year. All of a sudden, December 18th, I'm sitting there in my truck. And man, God pours it out on me. And I can't shake the thought of man camp for like five days. I barely slept. At the same time, I open my Bible and he shows me Ephesians 6, 10 through 17, right? I got to bring it up because I don't want to mess it up. I know most of it by heart now because it's been heavy on my mind, but mm. Ephesians 6, 10 through 17, actually 18. He's helping me here because in my own, I can't really pull it off. So here in the NIV, it says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. So you can't do it in your own strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. This exposes the fact that we do have an enemy, and he's a scheming liar. The word in John 10.10, 10, I think, says that, the thief comes to steal, kill, and, kill and destroy. I just read that this morning. Yeah, it's not a wonder. But the good shepherd come that you may have life and life more abundantly. Like the devil tries to blame all kinds of trouble on God. And he loves it when people buy the, you know, take the bait. Try to point the finger at God for all the bad things that happen in this life and this, this fallen world, right? But anyways, back to the full armor of God. This is what he puts on my heart December 18th when I'm trying to get the motivation to do a man camp. I didn't have to look for it, man. I could barely sleep. He put so much on me. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. It's not even against people, right? It's against the dark force behind the evil and the terrible things in this world. We don't judge people in the world. God judges people in the world, and the Word of God judges people in the world. We don't get to judge them. We're against those things behind what they're doing, the thing that puts a thought in their head. We're not against people. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, which I think we're living in, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand therefore with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted in the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So the shield of faith, right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The shield of faith, it's clear in my mind that it's got to be maintained. You can't just strap a bottle cap to your arm and hope to stop every fiery lie from hell. you got to be built up and fed the Word of God, and your faith needs to be such that when the lies, those fiery darts of the enemy come, the lies, the 
you know, the manipulation, the thoughts that take you down that wrong path, that shield of faith stops them, right? And then take them the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. Turns out the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, it says. Right? That's what fits the armor of God to you and maintains it. It's the only offensive, really offensive weapon that I can see he gives us. The Word of God, right? When Jesus was led off into the desert to be tempted, right after the Holy Spirit descended upon him, he didn't fight the devil with his knuckles or with a machine gun. Every time the enemy come at him, man, he just spoke the Word of God and it just put the devil's fire out. It's this Word of God that's a ticket to overcoming. So he gave me this scripture, Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, right? And I said, God, this is awesome. You know, I've read this 10 times and it's never meant so much to me. I mean, you've given me understanding of it and I'm, I'm on board. We'll do this man camp. We'll base it off the scripture. We'll call it the full armor of God man camp. How are we going to get it done? I mean, I read it 15 times and it never meant too much to me, you know. He gave me Romans 8, verse 14. And it says, them that are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God, not them that once were led or knew somebody that was led by the Spirit of God, but those that were being led by the Spirit of God. So you want to lead them by your Spirit, and that, that's the ticket to literally putting on the full armor of God, yielding to that still, small voice and letting the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, remember, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is literally the voice of God in this world. And when He leads you, I mean, if He's Lord of your life, He expects you to follow that leading, right? It only makes sense. And when you allow the Spirit of God to lead you, this literally enables you to walk in the full armor of God. I said, well, how did we miss it, God? I was praying about it for two, three days, right? Because I don't have a degree in hermeneutics. I don't got Bible school doctorates and education, right? He takes me back to Romans 8 again, but earlier in the chapter, I think it's 8, I'm not going to bring it up, I'll just from memory here, because I've pondered on it so much. It says that uh, in the flesh, it was never possible to accomplish God's will for your life. It was really not, not possible to even apply the instructions, the laws of God and written in the Word to your life. Never in the flesh could you do it. It's only possible by the Spirit of God. Right? And if you're trying to do it in the flesh, it's impossible to please God. It takes me up to 1 Corinthians, um, I believe it's 2, verse 14. And it says that uh, the mind of flesh can't even comprehend spiritual truths and thoughts. So our human minds, as incredible as they are, you know, God made an incredible thing when he made a human mind. Can't wrap their mind around spiritual truths and the revelation that God wants for us to. So we got to be led by this spirit of God. And I'm convinced that uh, the Lord intends to, through the, the many services at the man camp and the fellowship, it's incredible how they... What, what the Lord brings out of the Word during the message, John Bounds, who preaches by the Holy Ghost, he preaches right out of the Word of God like a machine gun. He's going to preach three of the four services. Um, what it does in men's hearts is carried on out of the service into the, 
the meals and the fellowship around the axe throwing and everything and it's knit together in the next service it just continues it on and and by the end of the weekend man the lord's painted a picture in men's minds of the the hope they can find in christ and it shows men how like saying yes to god and feeding themselves on the word and and all those things are like the ticket to maintaining their relationship with the lord and being you know, empowered by God to, to accomplish what he's given them in their lives, it changes them. It's radical. I, I'm convinced that's what he intends to do this year. I phoned a buddy right after this, um, you know, right after the Lord poured this out on me and kind of put it on my heart. I phoned my buddy and I said, man, God finally brought the, the you know, the unction, the desire to do man camp. He finally did. And he's given me Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. And uh, it's all about the full armor of God. And finally, we'll be strong in the, the strength of the Lord's might, not our own, brethren. I think he wants to equip men to put on the full armor of God and overcome in their lives. And he's like, dude, hold on. You're freaking me out. I'm just finishing a book. I'm uh, doing a final review of all the chapters in my new book. I think it's uh, True North, I think he's calling it. It's not even rolled out. It's going to be a big deal. But he... Uh, he says, you're freaking me out. You have no idea what I'm doing. I'm editing the last chapter, one of the last chapters of my book. And the entire chapter is based on Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. And I'm in the middle of it now. It's the first day this year that I've even picked it up. Like The, the odds were astronomical. Astronomical. And he's like, dude, whatever God's put on your heart, man, if it's like last year, I'm, I'm down with it. Whatever you need, you just let me know because this is incredible and uh, that's how he's done it he's literally taken a hillbilly cowboy like the, the last person on the planet that the world thought would ever be used by God for anything and he's breathed life into me to be a part of this and then every step of the way like even with you today he's confirmed it from the inside out and like gone ahead of it come behind it I'll say something to somebody about this man camp. They'll open their Bible five minutes later and God will floor them with the scripture. Somebody will, somebody not even involved in any way will call them like in the next day and be like, hey, we need to do something for men. And he's like, man, this freak cowboy that used to be hell on earth just phoned me yesterday. And he's like, we're doing something for men. Come with me. We'll be a part of that. Now there's hundreds of men coming to this man camp. And guys like Morbutter and uh, all these other guys are just pitching in. And if, if you're sitting here listening to this and you're like, oh, man, this sounds, you know, like, can you still get into it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how do they find it? Unfortunately, uh, we put an early bird discount on from... First, Nobody's going to care. No. 1st of March to May 15th. And May 15th, it goes from being $150. And we, we sponsored... Um, couple dozen guys already because we want people to be there so we just like believe god for finances and pay their way but for 150 dollars registration they get the six meals in the whole week and it just covers the cost of food and rentals and uh after may 15th till i believe it's first of june they can still register at moose lake pc right moose lake pentecostal camp 
And uh, what you're what for the listener, he, what he's going to do is he, Josh is going to give me the link, and I'll put it in the show notes. That way, people can just click on it you if bet. they scroll down. You bet. They can click on it and go right to it. Another thing for Facebookers, like I'm kind of new to the Facebook world. I don't post a lot. Um, I'm not a really good Facebooker, uh, but my buddy Yarl has set up a man camp Facebook page just for this purpose. And it's uh, if you search um, Sons of Thunder, this is the name he's designated for all these men that want to do this, right? Sons of Thunder 2023 Full Armor God Man Camp on Facebook and all the information, the brochure. Well, I, I'm going to make sure that I share it. I'll, I'll, I'll toss okay. it on the, on the, on the page because in my mind, there's so many people wondering where the men have gone, right? Yeah. Where are they? They're waking up. Well, they're waking up, and they're waking up, waking up at an exceptional rate. Yeah, yeah. And you're seeing it, you know, on the, on boots on the ground, so to speak. Yeah. And if yeah. I can, if Plus I can help, share, if I can help share something that's going to not only benefit mm-hmm. the men but the community that they're yeah. in, it's like, well, that's what I'm all about. Like oh, to me, I appreciate it, brother. I believe the Lord will use that. Um, a cool thing, though, like me, never having anything to do with the religious world, um, leadership wise, whatsoever. I encounter all these different denominations. This is something good. The factions and the different denominational groups all kind of pulling their own way and doing their own thing. I get to encounter them all, right? Because they're always wanting to see. You want to pull that mic just into a touch? Yes, sir. They're all wanting to see what I'm about, right? Because they don't want to send their men off to something that's going to be some kind of weird thing. And uh, it's funny. They always ask me one thing. They say, yeah. So if you don't mind, what denomination are you, sir? And uh, I used to say, well, I don't really, you know, have a denomination. I'm kind of non-denominational. But uh, not long ago, I was talking to a, a prominent religious leader in a certain Pentecostal group. And I said, well, that's simple. I'm a Baptocostal word of faith And he said, a what? I said, yeah, well, you heard me. A Baptocostal word of faith I've never heard of that. Is that legit? I said, well, that's just a man that's sold out for the Lord Jesus Christ filled with the Holy Spirit and believes the Word of God to be true. Oh, well, yeah, that should be good. He said, I'm going to send my guys anyway because the the three that went come back so on fire for God, so encouraged and so transformed that I merely didn't care what denomination you were because you know a tree by its fruit. And if a tree bears nothing but poison, bad, toxic fruit, it's probably bad. But if you follow me for five seconds... And you see the fruit that comes from a life reborn, a, a man that walks away from drugs and alcohol after 30 years, or a, you know, a man that kicks depression and emptiness and doesn't look back, that's good fruit. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to be trying to send every man in my church. So anyway, um, where I was going with that was, uh, so I'm, I'm kind of new to this, right? I don't, I don't never done a podcast. I never made a man camp video. I never did no public speaking to mention. Um, I just go from place to place and the Lord opens doors and uh, I share what he's done in my life. I share the simple truth that he's no respecter of persons, that he'll literally take and embrace anybody that looks to him as Lord, repents of their sin and, you know, chooses to follow him. He'll just breathe life into them. He offers them peace, you know, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. 
the joy of the Lord. It's unspeakable and you can't find it at a pharmacy. Wholeness and meaning like you can't find in the world. And uh, then I try to, because my grandfather told me and showed me by example, I try to put a little New Testament in their hands. And sometimes they take that and uh, it's years sometimes. It's only moments other times. Um, the biggest guy that I ever squared off with, a giant of a man. Um, and I beat him the first fight, and he'll admit to it. And then he beat me the second fight. Um, I hadn't seen him in 21 years. He showed up in one of my leases the other day. And I didn't know if we were going to be friends because the last time it was the police that broke us up. And this is back when I was in the world. And uh, I showed up, uh, and uh, when I saw he was there, um, those memories came flooding back and I went um, you know in my vehicle I went towards the lease he was working on and I began to ask God for courage and strength to like face this guy because these these thoughts just come flooding into my mind that he's just gonna still hate you and possibly you know be aggressive or anything like that and I said no Lord just give me strength to to share what you've done in my life just like it's anybody else. And not, the fact that he's benching 400 pounds and six foot three and we have a history means nothing. Just give me the courage to do what I do. And I went into that trailer and, and uh, I looked at him and I said, uh, Greg? He turned around and I could see the look in his eye. He hadn't seen me in 20 years. He probably thought I was dead. Um, I said, easy, big man. He said, you. I said, yeah, but I'm not hunting trouble. I'm, I'm, I'm actually not the same guy that you brawled those two times back in the day. I said, I'm proof the Lord can take a total wild animal and turn his life around. He filled that emptiness that drew drugs and booze and women and bikes never could. I said, but I'm, I'm here on business, so let's just take care of business. And we did. And uh, then I ran into him the very next day, and he came up to me and was in his full gear. I couldn't tell what he was thinking, dark glasses. Pulled off his glove and reached out his hand, and he says, man, if you hadn't have fought me twice, and what were you doing fighting me? You're just a scrawny cowboy rig pig. If you hadn't have fought me twice, I never would have listened to you. But that emptiness, man, that you said God filled, I've never been able to fill that in my whole life, and I've made millions. I said, man, if he takes me, he'll take anybody. I give him that little New Testament Bible. And I said, this is where I found the Lord. You read this. You feed yourself this Word of God. It's going to open your eyes to your need for Christ and the hope you can have in Him. It's going to open your ears to hear His voice. And he took that. Took it back to his hotel and he read that. He yeah, I don't know how long he read it. Maybe five minutes, maybe an hour. And when he come back the next day and I tried to talk about work with him, he said, no, man, I need the Lord Jesus, and my wife needs him too. <laughs> I said, well, we've got to finish doing our work, man. I can't be doing this at work. I'll be in trouble. He said, well, whatever, man, as soon as you have time. I said, man, I can't hook you up with God myself. I mean, you got to look to him yourself. So you just read this book today, and when I'm done, you know, I'll come over. I'll find you. I just prayed with him, and he, you know, began to pray on his own. It was just like a, a giant little boy looking to the Lord the first time. The Lord uh, 
forgive me for, you know, not looking to you and this and that. And, and I just prayed with him and led him to Jesus. And he cried out to God on his own, man. And he was changed. I'd be, he was a big man. Like, he picked me right up off the ground. And uh, it was weird. But uh, people, no matter how much money they got and how much things and, and uh, how successful they are in this first world country, they can't fill that void inside of them with all the stuff in the world. And this guy, man, he looked like the Ken doll. He looked like uh, he's just jacked. All the finances and women and toys, still, man, it wasn't enough. He found Jesus, and that was worth more than all of that. This is the biggest guy I ever, you know, swapped punches with. He's doing it every day, and men are waking up. The things of this world aren't enough. You know, if I could have predicted... Um First off, it, it's a beautiful story. Like it's, uh, you know, like ah, it's not it, perfectly composed. or It doesn't matter. It's it's a. We've all well, no, I shouldn't say we've all. I mean, a lot of men have. Uh, well, those what sixteen to for some it's twenty five, for some it's eighteen, for some it's twenty one. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. There's a, there's a period of time where you're proving ground. You mm -hmm. you know, you're uh, you're walking around. You're ten feet tall. You're bulletproof. I think we you, got her to be tough for like some kind of manly guy. Well, and, and you just think you got the, you do have the world by the tail, but you just don't realize that you're so far out to lunch on certain things. It's just, it's so, it, it's, it's a wonderful story. I, I think it's a wonderful story. I, you can look around. Everything's hockey. I say this lots, right? Studios hockey minus, you know, I got the, the charter of rights and freedoms now. When I watched sports, one of the things they always say, sports shows, we don't talk uh, politics and religion. Anything else pretty much goes, right? It's yeah. kind of what they say. And so when I first started this, I would say like I kind of embodied that. Unbeknownst to me, it's kind of like when you talk about Christianity growing up around it, you had respect for the Bible. I kind of had respect for, I'm doing this show and we're not going to get bring too many troubles into your life. I wasn't sure if you were going to let me, like this is what I do, right? Yeah. I owe everything to the Lord. So, I mean, if you were going to kick me out of here, I was going to take it like a champ. <laughs> Well, it, okay, so for 100, and I forget what it is, folks, is 160-some episodes? It's something like that. For the first um, until 2021 summertime, um, Sean talks hockey, doesn't talk anything else, lots of um, wisdom coming through, like people's uh, perseverance and, and their stories of like how they made the NHL or, mm -hmm. you know, different stories like that. But then COVID just won't relent. And so at some point, I'm just like, like I either got to start talking about this or I don't. Mm -hmm. And so Sean takes the leap of faith and he starts, there's no Bible. There's no, like all you're, you're talking about, I just, I, I, I chuckle about, I guess, because it, uh, it just keeps going. And when I talk about, uh, you know, um, ah, frick, I got to try and bring it up because it's going to bug me if I don't. Uh, um, I wanted to play hockey. Like I, I did play hockey as a young man, but uh, I was too poor and too aggressive to actually play hockey back before Christ. Um, I got some good buddies that went a long ways, played a lot of hockey, a lot of pro hockey, dub hockey. My nemesis, Ashley Langdon, I'm, I fought him a couple times, and uh, he's actually made a decision to serve the Lord in an, in, a, in an elementary right now. He's a work in progress. He's growing, but... Um, this guy brawled all over the country, both the States and Canada. 
played the Quebec Hockey League. Oh that. man, I love hockey. I, I'm... This this is the this is the verse I was trying to spit out, and the, obviously, uh, you know, I'm I'm just you know, anyways. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. I don't need the rest because I, I read that and I'm like, so rewind the clock. The podcast we're not going to talk about anything religion and anything politics. Too I didn't be, I didn't late, believe man. in that. <laughs> But as it goes along, that's what I'm thinking. Then COVID won't relent, and so I start talking to, I basically do a 180. Mm-hmm. For anyone who started here, and I was doing the local stories, and I love the local stories, but we're talking sports stories and everything else. It just, overnight, it goes 180. I'm sure the audience was like, what is going on? Some people applauded, some people hated it, yeah. and on we went. And for, you know, 100 plus episodes, we talked nothing but politics, well, not not even politics. More just COVID. Doctors, yeah. nurses, lawyers, professors, anyone speaking out. Like, what is going on? And then, you know, this lady named Danielle Smith comes through, and I've talked to her, and then she's running for politics. And I'm like, well, we got to get this right. So then Sean starts talking politics, and I swore I'd never. I I was pretty sure I'd never talk politics, and then I started talking politics. You know, and now she's the premier, and you're like, so I guess I'll have the premier on the podcast. I don't know what that's gonna do. This this will be interesting. And then Ottawa happened. Or and I guess I should back up. Ottawa happened before she became premier, and Ottawa was like I'd been. You know, I go back to episode one ten and I listen to me and Judy Reeves, and she, she's like, "What are you doing?" And I'm like, "Um, I'm just interviewing people. I just like hearing stories. It's pretty like a a pretty surface level answer, right?" She goes, oh, "No, you're not. You're looking for something. You're digging." And and when I go back, it's almost <coughs> pro- prophetic. Her words. I don't. You know, like just to me at least. And uh, I was looking. I knew I was looking. I was looking for truth. I was looking mm-hmm. for, like, what is the truth? Is there more than meets the eye or not? In Ottawa, I just I just take my hand for the listener who can't see what I'm doing and smack. Like, that's what I do. I run into a brick wall. Shoes mm-hmm. go flying. Like You know, I'm like, what was that, right? Because it's an introduction to things that can't be seen on steroids. Yeah, yeah. And I come back from there. I'm reeling. I'm going, what? It just happened, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, you know, and, and then fast forward to, um, fast forward to probably, I don't know, what is it folks? Three months ago? Like, you know what? Screw this. We got to start talking about, we got to start talking about the Bible. Back to truth. We just got, we just got to talk about it. And I got to see what, what I feel about it and what the audience feels about it. And we're just going to, like, we've talked about everything else at this point. Mm-hmm. I come back from Ottawa. I run into all these people and they go, what happened in Ottawa? I'm like. What story do you want? They're like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, I, I, I could tell you that it was stress. I can tell you that it was drugs and alcohol. I can tell you it was lack of sleep. I can tell you that it's spiritual. Wow, we all know it's spiritual. And so then my brain goes, okay, if we all know it's spiritual, why aren't we talking about it? Mm-hmm. And what does everybody say? Well, they'll, they'll deem you crazy. And I'm literally explaining about four or five conversations, John, or Josh, uh, where uh, they, uh, I'm staring at John. Anyways. I'm going to have to go back and now listen to these podcasts. Well, so I get to this point where I'm like, I'm having these conversations off air with people and they're saying, we know exactly what it is. And I'm going, well, why aren't we talking about it? This is COVID all over again. Mm -hmm. We're not allowed to talk about COVID. Now you're telling me, you know, exactly what went on in Ottawa because it's happened in your life Mm -hmm. and nobody's going to talk about this. It's like, well, yeah, but they'll deem you crazy. I'm like, I'm already crazy. Like they already think I'm crazy. I appreciate that you're willing to like step up. It takes backbone. Uh, a lot of people choose to bypass all these topics to fit in with society. Man. My problem is whoever lives by the truth or mm-hmm. or comes to the light. And it's like mm-hmm. me and me and Tanner in a day, if you haven't listened to those folks, we we talk about this in the first one and the second one. It's like that to me, 
I'm like, so if you chase the truth, mm-hmm. you're eventually going to hit this point where you come back to to God. You come yeah. back to spirituality. You come back to like, and I'm not saying I got this right. I, by no means. I, you know, I, I mess up things all the time. I just know that it's, I don't know, I don't get all the coincidences. I just, you can see it when it's happening. We, we talked about it right off the hop about these coincidences that happen. You start, um, well, when you really get involved with the Holy Spirit and the Lord Jesus, um, the coincidences begin to pile up on top of one another. You can't, there's no way you could be convinced that 15 different coincidences happen in one day. When you go from having one happen every six months to having a, an incredible, like one in 3,000 coincidence, one in 300,000, like winning the Lotto Max type coincidence every day. Uh, I shared Christ with a bunch of people up at Mission Hill on 97th and 107th with this wild for Jesus woman, Selena Higgins. She loves the Lord with her whole heart, right? I'm sharing, I'm, I'm preaching and witnessing and loving on these people that are living on the streets, fingers froze off and ears froze off and all this. And I see this street preacher and uh, I tell him about man camp. It's on my heart heavy. And I said, I believe the Lord wants to breathe some you know, life into you and encourage you and uh, being a part of this man camp john bounds is going to bring a word from god and it's going to build your faith and uh, you're going to meet a lot of other people that are going to come alongside you and help you accomplish god's will for what you're doing here and uh, he said i think it's the enemy going to try and distract me from my calling and i said well think about it call me and he phoned the next day he says yeah i think it'll just be a distraction from what i'm doing here on the streets and i said well listen man you think the enemy wants you to be strengthened spiritually, encouraged? You think the enemy wants you making dozens and hundreds of relationships with men around you in your own backyard that are going to help you to accomplish God's will for your life? You think you're going to reach the whole of Edmonton like the Lone Ranger all by yourself? Give your head a shake, man. That's not the, that's not the devil. It's, the Lord wants you to be a part of this to like equip you for what you're called to. He's like, oh, well, maybe, maybe. I'll, I'll keep praying about it. Half an hour, an hour later, I, I'm working away trying to help my wife with something, and the thought to phone this guy comes to mind. This guy I hardly have seen in years and years and years in Edmonton. I know he's a Christian. I know it's not the enemy wants me to phone and encourage this guy. Why would he, right? Yeah, keep living for Jesus, man. Keep shining bright. You think the <laughs> devil wants that? Well, I phone him up, get a hold of him. I said, man, you're doing a good work. You're shining bright. You're doing a tremendous job of showing the light and love of Christ to that city, man. You keep going. I'm not cut out for city life, so you got to do it. And uh, he's like, well, thanks, buddy. What are you doing? I said, well, actually, I was up in the city just the day before, and uh, we were trying to love on some homeless folks and, you know, put clothes and food in their bellies. And I uh, met this guy, this street preacher. He was just, like, so critical and, like, wrung out. I'm kind of praying for him, believing God that he'll come to this man camp we're doing to get strong and get, you know, refreshed. And he's like, is his name Tim? I said, I won't say his last name, but he, he said his last name. I said, that's him. Out of how many millions of men in Edmonton? He said, dude, this guy's got a session booked with me tomorrow morning. I said, you're kidding me. I said, he's like, no. I booked it two weeks ago, long before you ever met him yesterday. 
he's slated to sit in my office today and talk about that issue you're telling me he has. I said, well, do your best. Let God use you. I'll talk to you later, buddy. <laughs> this Tim guy phones me that day after his session, and he's like, uh, hi, uh, how you doing? I said, good. He's like, you'll never guess what happened. I said, what do you mean? Let me guess. I said, the Lord's confirmed that you should be a part of this man camp. Just a shot in the dark. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You never knew I booked a session with that Mike. I booked that two weeks before I ever met you. If it's okay with you, I'd still like to come to that man camp. You guys still willing to sponsor me? I said, yeah, man, we're welcome to have you. Praise God you finally decided to come. And yeah, we'll cover all the costs. We just want you to be there. You're doing a good work. That was like winning the Lotto 649. You don't just pull a name out of a hat and phone one of the 4,000 preachers in Edmonton and he's got a session booked with him the next day. That's God, man. He can do way more than we think. That's happened 10 times since December 18th. That kind of coincidence, you don't find that in a Sports Illustrated magazine. That's the word of God. So anyways, you go on, bro. Sorry, I kind of sidetracked us. Coincidence, you, you were saying this no, coincidence. No, 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 no you, don't, you, you, you don't need to apologize. I this get is... carried away. I'm fired up about this. Like, you don't get to be used by God in a huge way and experience God without getting, you know. It's pumped. funny. I, I uh, Somewhere in the back of my <clears> brain, <throat> I guess. I wonder how many people I'm pissing off by having, having uh, it doesn't, like it, does, it doesn't, bo- no, no, just religion in general. Oh yeah. You're probably pushing the buttons on a lot of people. You know, like. but that, that's funny. Like once upon a time, like once again, uh, I don't know where I'm at with all of this, but you can like, honestly sitting here, folks, I can feel it. It's like, I get it. Now I, I've had my eyes open to an awful lot yeah. over the course of a little bit over a year. Uh, there's things that went on in Ottawa that I just, I can't even, I can't even begin to put words to. It's just like, I don't know how to explain it. Bizarre things. Oh, and bizarre is a good word. Mm -hmm. Weird, strange. Seeing more of it every day. Yeah, well, I'm experiencing more of it every day. Mm -hmm. So it's like, do you run from that and just write it off as, oh, my mind's just playing tricks? You could be a coward and do that at any time. That's right. Or do you just go, I get it. Right, I, 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 I sometimes wonder. I, I, pl- I, I hate to play little games with myself, but it's like, how did I write this off for so long? And the God of this world blinds the eyes of mankind. They're ever seeing but never perceiving, ever hearing but never understanding. He literally, he bamboozles us, and then one day the Word of God washes off that veil. And that film from our eyes, and we can see clearly. And I resent him for it now. I look back, I see his tracks all over my life. I've seen him rip apart my family. I see him tearing apart families every day. I'm kind of mad about it. It's like a righteous mad. I resent him for what he did to my life. He's doing it to a lot of folks. You can see I'm a little mad about it. Yeah. exposing him eh he's not happy about that either i can bet well i get told this an awful lot i don't i you tell me if you agree or your thoughts on it the more you talk about it Hmm. the more of a target you paint on yourself yeah have you experienced that oh man the minute you stop going with the flow and 
coasting along with the rest of the lukewarm world and you start fighting back and making a difference for Christ, you encounter tons of it. But you see what it does is it, you never put on any muscle if you never got nothing to lift. And so when you start bucking it and he starts to put weight on you, um, as long as you run to the Lord, right, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you, James 4, 7, right? As long as you're submitted to God, resisting the enemy, he's got to flee. So if every time he nails you, you learn to run to Jesus, you learn to speak the word of God. That's how I learned all this. Before Christ, I could barely remember my debit card number, man. I'd be standing at the checkout at the liquor store and have to look in that note tucked into my wallet someplace to remember my dumb number. Now that the Lord's like tweaked my brain and the Holy Spirit's let me memorize whole Psalms, like 40, 50 verses at a time. So every time he nails me now, I recognize it, man. I'm, I was born a warrior. I'm, I've always been a fighter. Now when he pokes me with a jab, I slap him silly with the word of God. And it's the sword of the spirit that puts him to sleep. He got to recoil and back up. That's how you fight him. Yeah, yeah, I've hidden the word of God in my heart so that I won't be led astray by the enemy every five seconds. So literally, yeah, you start stepping up, speaking up, being curt, you know, bold and courageous with your faith and what you've experienced. You shod your feet in the gospel of peace. You start doing your part to reach the world for Christ. Yeah, you get hit. But if every time he hits you, you run back to the Lord, man, it just makes you stronger. If every time he hits you, you cower and whine and pee your pants, yeah, he wins. But draw near to him and he'll draw near to you, right? He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, for I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my burden is light, my yoke. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. You run to him every time he, the enemy slaps you, he just puts a little beef on you spiritually. You feed yourself the word of God every day. It's a lamp under your feet and a light into your path. That light literally leads and helps direct you. It also exposes all the lies and the tricks of the enemy. That's why it's so important we feed ourselves the Word of God. It literally lights our path. It's the Holy Spirit and the Word work together. They're like one. The Holy Spirit will never lead you in a direction that goes crosswise of the Word. And the Word is truth. So you literally, if it ain't in the Word, it ain't the Holy Spirit. And if it goes crosswise of the word, I mean, you can go alongside the word, but if, if you're getting led by anything that goes crosswise of the word of God, you better think about it because that's not the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be fascinated to see where you not end up. I was going to say end up, but like, obviously you're not whatever <laughs> age, right? I just mean, I'm going to be interested to see where this goes. Mm -hmm. uh, I know of a, just at the, off the top of my head, I know of like probably three, four people that really, I think, would benefit from hearing this. Um, whether or not it goes anywhere with them is, is up to them, obviously. But like, as you talk, I'm like, two things come to mind. One is I'm like, what, once upon a time, I, in the middle of a podcast, I just had this epiphany. I'm like, am I becoming a traditionalist? Like, am I, hmm. like, am I, what am I? And right now I'm like, what, what are we doing here? You know, like, I, and I don't have an answer to that. Mm -hmm. I just go, this is probably going to draw more of a target all over again, you yeah, know? well, brother. You know? But uh, in saying that, um, COVID drew a target. Mm -hmm. 
And at the end of the day, you know, I can't forget some things that have gone on. It's like, just can't. So what are you going to do with that? Got to talk about it. Because I feel, and I maybe fear a little bit too, that in the dark days of COVID, in the lockdown times, so many people felt like they were alone. You know, they were in that dark place. Mm -hmm. And the dark place is lonely. It is debilitating. It is... Crippling. Yeah. And right now, if there's people that are walking and don't under... Like, they think they're crazy or Mm -hmm. they think they've, you know, like, nobody else is experiencing different things. It's like, then it's on all of us. Mm Mm-hmm. And certainly I have an opportunity sitting with a podcast to at least open people's ears and eyes to it to see yeah. if, you know, holy crap, there's more out there than I thought. Because at yeah. times, I, I'm i telling <clears> you, <throat> I, I came back from Ottawa, I'm like, nobody's ever going to understand any of this. Certainly the people in Ottawa, lots of them understand it, but nobody's ever going to understand any of it. And I that, that isn't true at all. Yeah. Actually, I find I'm more shocked at how many people understand exactly what's going on. And you're like, yeah. okay, okay. Right, and I think the audience needs to understand that too. I'm in a unique place where I get to talk to a lot of people, mm-hmm. and when they all start saying, "No, no, I get it," so if we all get it, why aren't we just saying what it is then? Yeah, not not just the Christian people are recognizing that this world's coming undone morally and integrity-wise. Um, I, a buddy of mine, uh, he just recently gave his life to the Lord. Um, I worked for his dad for three years, and um, he was from Kitscotty. I got a phone call. Um, like I've 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 watched a lot of men this last while financially successful um, wives, kids, lives appear to be in order. Um, I've I've seen them take their lives this last while. I carried this fellow out of the house, and we cut him down, um, and we carried his body out of the house. And because I was the only Christian guy, and like the most hardcore Christian guy that this family knew. Um, I think they thought I was some kind of a preacher, speaker, pastor, but I'm not. I wasn't, like I wasn't. They said, "Will you do this service? Will you, will you speak at our, our father, our husband's funeral?" And uh, I said, "I got to warn you. You know, I'm, I'm this depression, this emptiness, this this demonic, dark thing that's caused your husband, father, grandfather to take his own life." I'm going to expose it for what it is, and I'm going to point right to Jesus as being the answer. You know that. Well, yeah, yeah, maybe just don't be too preachy. I don't make any deals. Like, yeah. you, you having me on here, you could, you could have kicked me out if you wanted. I was still going to point to Jesus because it's the only thing I've ever seen really reconstruct lives. I've seen thousands of people try to medicate spiritual problems and put, like, a temporary fix on them. But then I've seen now dozens just in this last year walk away from conditions that they'd been diagnosed with as being like mental health issues and and uh, physical conditions and all these different diagnoses well how come when they get filled with the holy ghost and make jesus christ lord of their lives not just playing church but surrender their lives to christ how come they walk away from those things hard and fast that's what I want to know. So I tell this family, I'm gonna be. I'm, if you want me to preach, I'm not a preacher. I've, I've only spoke like preached four times in my life, and it wasn't. I didn't do a great job. I'm not a public speaker. I'm getting better, it seems. But I went to this funeral, 
And it turns out it's full of oil field people that I've worked for, consultants from all over the place, like two, three hundred people. I didn't even know what I was going to say. I started watching the eulogy and seeing the six grandkids he had to live for and the beautiful wife and his daughter and the life he had, and I got mad. I mean, what kind of demonic thing convinced him he had nothing to live for? What created that depression, that emptiness in him? To take his own life, he had so much to live for. And I got up and I began to preach. And it come from the inside of me, man. It, was, it, it rocked me. I don't know how it affected them. But it, it rolled out smooth and it wasn't me. And it, it pointed a direction right at Jesus as being the cure. The way, the truth, and the life, right? He says... Right, anxiety, depression, stress, all similar things. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication, right? Taking those things and thanksgiving. So thanks, thanking them for these things you're asking them for in faith. Giving them your cares, your anxieties, your stresses. Make your requests known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding or all comprehension will guard your heart and mind in Christ, right? Your heart being your spirit, your mind being your soul, your mind, will, and emotions. That's your soul. And I begin to preach from that. And right, he says in, in 1 Peter 5, I think it's 6 and 7, I don't have my Bible, but he says, humble yourself before God that he may exalt you or lift you up in his time, right? And that he, he offers you peace. And uh, so... Uh, this last while, man, seeing these guys unravel and uh, seeing the stress and strain that the busyness and the lack of God and the emptiness in their lives is creating, um, I've been, you know, administering the gospel to these people. The depression, the anxiety, the stress, strain, the meds, they fall away like a scab at the swimming pool. Christ is truly the answer, brother, to almost every situation plaguing mankind. I never realized it until like this, this last couple of years, like even playing church and my lukewarm Christian walk before that, um, I was sitting there, man, I was getting spoon-fed the Word of God by John Bounds for years. And uh, I never seen it clear until I like, surrendered lock, stock, and barrel to Christ. He's the ticket to every plague on this planet. And he's the only one that offers salvation and forgiveness of sins. This is the ticket, man. We got to actually... I'm probably going too far for your podcast now. But I'll, I'll pipe if, it down. If, no, I... I um, by now, listeners know this, and you're learning this. Mm-hmm. I don't shut things down. No, I won't go into how. I uh, to me this is this is um. Well, certain certain conversations certain conversations make people uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I got lots. And of they them. should. And I got lots of them. Mm-hmm. This ain't one of them. This is one where I'm like, you know, when 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 and I bring bring up Tanner and Aday lots, but uh, when Tanner and Aday and me get going. What people say is, man, I'd sure go listen to him at a, at a church, right? Is, that the, is Tanner the one I met in Tyson Warbutter's office, or is that Sam? No, that's, that's Sam. 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 Okay. Yeah. Cool guy. Yeah. And his dad, a tremendous doctor. Yeah. 
But uh, for this, it's like, I, I don't know. I, I'm i not bored. How long I, have we been going? Like an hour I, and 30 minutes? Oh, brother, I'd take it all day just like this. I I got to share Christ with this transgender guy the other day, right? And I've never encountered. Before Christ, I was pretty narrow-minded. I stuck to my own type, and I just blocked everything else out. Sure. And uh, this, this LGBTQ world, I don't know a bunch about it. But... Uh, a missionary friend of mine come back from Nepal after three years, and he says to me, what are you doing, man? What's God doing in you? I heard you're, like, lit up for Christ. Because, I mean, he's seen me in a spiritual stupor for years. <laughs> I said, man, he's he's done a work on my mind. He's, like, working in my heart. And I, For instance, like, this years ago, I was I was pretty shallow in so many ways, and and like homosexuality and transgender, I just blocked it all out. I didn't care about it. I was really negative towards it. And even like if somebody was to approach me, I'd be like aggressive and, you know, threatening. So, but God's put it on my heart, man. If he can deliver me from alcohol, drugs, you know, racial issues, rage, hatred, emptiness, all these things, um, I believe he can straighten people out. In, in, in any arena of life. And I don't want to, you know, I, I can't remember who was talking about this LGBTQ movement and all this, and I, I'm not out to attack anybody. I said, but, you know, like, I no longer, you know, have any resentment towards them. Uh, I surely don't want to slander them or maliciously attack them in any way. But but the, the few people in my life, I've known three or four people that live that lifestyle, um, they all seem to have this incredible anxiety and like uh, brokenness, and uh, they were so confused in so many ways and felt so attacked. I said, I'm convinced if they were to encounter Christ and sincerely uh, make Christ Lord of their lives, that He could heal that brokenness in them. And we. I don't think it's any different. I mean, if they're confused or anxious or depressed or discouraged or have any type of mental illness, I believe he can mend and heal any of that. So we end up, we arrive at our destination, and who comes in first time in my whole Christian walk but this six-foot-one indigenous male in full drag? And John Bounds preaches the message. He brings it, man. He just, he don't preach from notes, man. He opens that word, and as he reads the word, the Holy Spirit puts it on his heart, and he lays her down. That's the kind of preaching I got to have, because I can't settle for Dr. Phil or Oprah Winfrey or any of that stuff. It doesn't build my faith. I need to be, I need the word of God. And where, where does he preach at? I'm at the Word Church, you know, just like directly behind the New McDonald's on the south end. Okay. Incredible young guy. A Bible teacher, like, you'll look a long time before you find another guy that age preaching like that. This fellow in full drag, like, an incredible face makeup, like a lot of ladies on the catwalk probably would have loved to have this guy do their makeup. Come forward to receive Christ. John Bounds, man, he judges nobody. He shares Jesus with everybody. Prays with them. You know, introduce them to the Lord. And then looks over at me and says, and now I'd like you to spend some time talking to my friend uh, and associate, Joshua Allen. And he's going to pray with you and, and, uh, and spend time with you. 
And man, the fact that I, this is that weird coincidence thing too, right? I had just finished talking to John and my buddy, Matthew, who came back from Nepal about this same thing, like 20 minutes, 30, whatever it was, 40 minutes before. And I sat down with this guy, man, and I had nothing but love for him. Like I felt he was broken and, and felt so empty. And he was going and telling me all this stuff. And, and I had nothing but love for him, no, no resentment, no. And the Lord had done a work in me, right? And I be began to pray with this guy and something ugly revealed itself. And something in his facial features transformed. And he come at me and stared into my eyes and his eyes just shook. And I said, Jesus loves you, man. And he offers you the peace and joy and wholeness that you couldn't find in this lifestyle or in this world. And it just put his fire out, man. He was just like a, a different person. That ugly thing that rose up in that man and called itself Sally. Let Jerome go and just sat back down. And I hugged on him. I gave him the manliest backcracking hug he's ever had. And uh, we prayed together another 10, 15 minutes. And, and uh, him and I were friends right until the service was over. Like, I couldn't get rid of him. Um, but he felt the Lord touch his heart in that service, man. As long as he holds on tight to Jesus, man, I think he can overcome that depression and any of that anxiety and brokenness. It's incredible. He'd be, you know, I, you know, I hear your story, and where my brain goes is, you imagine talking to Jerome now, it, it, just seeing what his thoughts are, and. Uh, you know, unless who's this? The, the, you said Jerome, right? Yeah, yeah, cool guy. Sitting down and talking to Jerome. Mm -hmm. No, you know, I hear your side of it, but I mean, to to wouldn't that be fascinating? Oh, brother, I can't wait to see him again. This would be just a couple weeks ago, right? I I won't say his last name. But sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he, uh, yeah, yeah. As long as he replaces those things in his life with more of Christ, I believe we won't even recognize the guy. Like he. The joy and the, like whatever God did in that guy changed him. And uh, yeah, maybe maybe he'll show up at man camp. <laughs> maybe it'll be intense. Now we had, we took a guy off the street. Paul Day's a buddy of mine. I keep saying their name. Is that allowed? Yeah, absolutely. Solid and guy. Did Solid you just guy. say Paul Day's? He's a close friend of mine now. Big man, tough guy. Paul Day's and me grew up together. Literally, um, like my closest neighbor on the farm. Paul's like the solidest boss I ever had. One of them. And I've had a couple. But Paul is one of my good friends. And anyways, uh, his missus, he got a lot of kids, right? So his missus has a baby or she's about to have a baby. Can't come to man camp last year, right? Pull the mic back. Yeah, yeah so yeah. he can't. Sorry about that. He, no, no. he couldn't come to man camp. So he said, I've already paid. I don't want a refund. I want you to, you know, so I want to sponsor somebody else to go. So we pulled a, a fella off the street. We literally, my buddy, you all went into town. He find this indigenous guy, awesome guy. Says, hey, do you want to come to man camp? And he's like, wouldn't even talk to him. Like, the guy was broken. Just walking down the side of the road. All-you-can-eat barbecue, awesome food, 
Um, there are going to be some services. Um, get to throw axes, shoot bows, throw knives. There's a fishing derby. The guy never cared about any of that. And even at man camp, he never, I don't even know if he took part. And he just sat there and he was like taking it in. It was there. So this guy, Paul Sponsored, off the street, shows up. He, he never said a word the first two days. Not a word. It was like he was speechless. Halfway through the service on the Saturday night, um, I said, if there's anybody that just wants more of God in their life or wants to surrender to Christ for the first time or rededicate their life, if they've walked away, rejected the Lord or taken their, the Lordship of their life back into their own hands and, you know, like, let their walk with God fall apart, come forward, man, we'll pray with you. This brother come forward, right? He hadn't said nothing for two days. He couldn't get him to talk. I said, what do you want? I want Jesus. Simple prayer. Lord Jesus, forgive me for the sin in my life. Forgive me for being Lord. And I led him in this prayer. Forgive me for trying to be Lord of my own life. Come into my life like you did his, mine, right? Come into my life like you come into this cowboy's life. I want you to be Lord of my life, and I want you to lead me and guide me from this point. And I forgive anybody that I have anything against. I walk in forgiveness. Like the Word says, you don't forgive, the Father can't forgive you. So I forgive anybody that's done anything against me or anything I had, anything held against them. In Jesus' name. And this guy like you flipped a switch on the wall threw his head back and he says I heard the Lord call my name he says I've been like under a curse for years and it's gone he never shut up for the last day and a half of man camp talking to everybody about what the Lord had just done in his life and and how this curse uh, that had been like keeping him silent and powerless. I guess this indigenous brother had ticked off some family of his back in the past. And these people were deep into like uh, indigenous witchcraft or medicine, he called it. And he said that they had put this medicine on him. And ever since it had destroyed his life. When he reached out to Christ and wholeheartedly meant it, that came off of him, man. You thought we'd have plugged him into the wall. He testified and fellowshiped with 135 guys over the next day and a half like a different person. You couldn't even hardly recognize him. He was one of those guys that wanted, I got to be baptized, bro. I said, well, you're like the fourth guy today to ask me if he could be baptized in the lake. Well, there's water. You love the Lord Jesus? Yeah. You plan on serving the Lord the rest of your life? Yeah. You believe he's everything the Word of God says he is? Yeah, bro. I said, then why can't you have the water? We'll baptize you. Now this year we got a baptismal sermon planned, right? You know what I love about it? You sound like such a cowboy. <laughs> I am. I, I can't help it. I can't help it. I, I hear people say, oh, dude, are you from Texas? I said, no, man, my parents were busy farming, and they had three other kids right after me and one of like a set of twins. They left me with my grandpa. He was a, a veteran, and he was a hillbilly, and I talk like a hillbilly. So that's why people think it. I, I think it's, 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 it's cowboy meets preacher, you know? Yeah. It's, it's kind of the cowboy preacher. It's, 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 
it's <laughs> unique. I do break horses and train horses, and that opens another door in the cowboy world to like you know share my testimony and encourage others. I go to brandings and rope calves and do things. That's good. Well, you know, I'm I'm curious. I I, I have this thought come all the way back again. Did you ever think you'd be sitting? Never. Talking, I mean, I don't, I have no idea where this goes. Maybe this, maybe this gets Sean panned off the airways. Maybe this goes to the moon and back. I, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to me. I'm just like, whatever. It's uh, another interesting, you know, one of the, the foundations of the podcast when I started was, I was like, I really want to pick some, pick some interesting brains, you know? Mm-hmm. And for so long, I thought that, don't get me wrong, would I take Jordan Peterson? Yes. But like, for so long, I thought it was all these famous individuals. And I find some of the best conversations are with people I've never even heard of Down before. at the river on a saddle horse. That's where I met your old man. Yeah. Like, like to me, you just don't know, like, when you when you strap the shoes on or the boots on every day, you don't know what's going to come in. Mm-hmm. And you have no idea. It's kind of like riding, <coughs> a, holding on for dear life to a bullet train because it's like, you know, who's going to walk in today and, and sit down across from me and, and rattle off some things? And is it going to piss some people off? Christianity certainly is ticking yes, some people off. I but, hope it doesn't wreck your podcast, but I mean, if it, it changes one life. No, it won't. Uh, you know, it won't. But I mean, You're not if coming you, in here speaking hate. No, no, You're Coming man, in here nothing. speaking your testimony of what how your life's been yeah, changed. It's nothing like hate. It's the opposite, right? Uh, I could have stayed at home, went fishing, riding, all this stuff. If it reaches one person that's walking through this life hopeless without Christ and at the end of the line, or one father that can't, you know, husband his wife or father his children or just, you know, make it another day, he's just hopeless. If it changes their life, it would, man, I'll drive to Toronto. Well, I've been talking an awful lot about men's groups, right? Yeah. So when I heard you were doing a, a men's retreat, a men's camp, I'm like, like, if only one guy hears it and goes... I'm all about, like, one guy in his community can do an yeah. awful lot. Oh, man, yeah. And you think if you get, uh, I don't know, uh, I don't know if army is the right word, but, like, certainly if you get a, a group of men that start pulling the same direction, it's oh, like, yeah. how quickly can can we really uh, change some things? Like, how quick? And not Pretty just quick. that. First, the scripture is just coming to mind, brother. This is not natural either, but First Peter, no, sorry, First John 1, 7 says, when we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us of all sin. I've seen teams that work well together. Like look at our oilers now, they're winning, right? They're they're putting out and they're they're putting a the puck in the net, they're winning games. Even a team that works good together, when he speaks about this fellowship in Christ, when we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, right? We have fellowship with one another. That fellowship that the Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit brings to a group is even different. It's more intense. It's like a unity and a a bond that's not realistic. You'll see a hundred guys who are all cocky, headstrong, and bossy working together for one purpose, like this man camp. I don't know if last year there was even one argument, let alone a disagreement. And everybody pulling together, like, what needs to happen? And this and this. Yes, sir, let's go. And it really is a, like a well-oiled machine. When that fellowship that the Holy Spirit brings to a group starts to operate the way it's designed, oh, man, it's it's like if you could mix that. Like, you, you, you take a, an NHL team or an NFL team, you get them all filled with the Holy Spirit and living for Jesus, 
you, they're probably in, there's probably not a team in the country that will even compare. They're not all after their own glory. They're not showboating. Um, it's all about working together for a common cause and like bettering the group. It's intense, man. It's this. I never saw it aside from when I, and even as a lukewarm, you know, playing church Christian, I never saw it. It's when you surrender to Christ. How's your? Uh, you mentioned married kids. Yeah. How's your family dealt with? Uh, it's, uh, it's overwhelming at first, man. Your spouse, when you get lit up by Jesus and you you begin <laughs> to make Him first place, right? In every area of your life, um, areas that they once held, they they got to kind of surrender to the Lord. But in the end, the benefit and you know the blessing of God in your life, when you put the Lord Jesus ahead of everything else, those other areas end up with more. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's not realistic. Somehow, it's like tithing, right? One of the first lies the enemy ever tried to sell me on when I went to church was that they were after my money, right? And then he puts the spotlight on 15 different people that aren't sold out for Christ and says they're all like that guy and that guy and this girl and this guy. They're all phony, so focus on them and take your focus off Christ and don't even look at the Word of God. Just look at them, all their mistakes and what they're doing. Tithing. Right, honoring God with your finances. A lot of preachers won't even touch it now because it might hurt their little group or whatever. When you take that 10% of what God puts in your hand and you honor God with that, you're left with 90%, right? You sow it into a ministry that's blessing people's lives or you give it to somebody less fortunate. The, the word says to bring in the whole tithe and offering, right, into the storehouse, which is tempting the group of believers that you're involved with. When you take that 10% of every dollar he puts in your hand and you sow it back into the world, into the ministry, into those men and women that are on the front lines living for the Lord with a whole heart, you're left with 90%. He says he'll open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on your life, right? He'll bless what you put your hand to. He'll rebuke the devourer in your life, those things that devour your your, your, you know, your finances, your health, all those things. I thought, yeah, right. The 90% you're left with goes further than the 100% ever could. It's bizarre. I never, I would have never believed it until I put it to work in my life. Somehow, you put 10% of what God, is tithing, right? It's all over the Bible, Old Testament and New. You put 10% of what God gives you back into the hands of God as, as an act of worship and thankfulness to Him, He blesses that 90% and makes it do what 100 never could. I can't even wrap my mind around it completely. Right? Jesus Himself says, Give and it shall be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together, overflowing. He says in, uh, I believe it's 1 Corinthians 9. He says, he who gives sparingly will reap sparingly. He who gives bountifully will reap bountifully. But it, uh, I don't know. I wish I had my Bible. It says God loves a cheerful giver. You don't give begrudgingly or out of compulsion, but he loves a cheerful giver, somebody that gives in thankfulness to him and in honor of him and worships him or makes him Lord of their finances, right? 
I never bought it for a second until I started to do it. And he takes that 90% you're left with and he stretches it and makes it go further than it ever could as 100%. It's bizarre. That's what God does in your life. When you make him first, when you literally make him the center of your focus, truly Lord of your life, the other areas, right? He says in Matthew 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, which is Christ. And all these things shall be added unto you. I never knew what that meant until I actually made him first place. Seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. He began to heal the brokenness in my marriage. He began to make me the husband I couldn't be. He began to enable me to relate with my teenage sons and my I don't know what to do with girls I got a 12 year old girl he began to make me the right kind of dad I needed to be to father my kids people I couldn't stand at work I mean even as a Christian just a lukewarm sort of a laxadacious Christian I couldn't tolerate certain kinds of people I began to focus on Christ man and them people somehow God worked it's in these relationships at work I'm getting along with people I couldn't stand without Christ so when you focus on him and make him first, he takes care of the rest. And uh, the word's absolutely 100% on the money. It turns out I haven't been able to prove that word of God wrong in 21 years, 22. This has been an interesting chat. I think that's maybe the word I'm searching for. I'll probably ruin the podcast with a lot of preaching. No, no. I, let me let me put your mind at ease. You have not. I'm not. I learned this lesson uh, very early on. No one guest shall ever make a podcast, and no one guest shall ever end a podcast. Mm-hmm. I've, I I believe that to my core. If people don't like what you're saying, they're going to turn it off. If they really hate it, I'm going to hear about it on the text line. That's good. But but the other side of it's so true as well. If people really like this, they're going to share mm-hmm. it. That's right. And and if people really really like this, they're going to reach out and text me. This this, this is this is the way it works. Now if now if I have uh, Josh and Sean every single episode, that's right. a different that's a different thought. That's but one right. ep, one episode, I'm that's you right. haven't ruined anything. And if I they, appreciate. If they do come down on you, you feel free to just funnel it right back on me. Uh, no, to me, I appreciate a guest who comes in and says what's on their mind. Yes, sir. I don't, I don't want to come in here and, you know, I got offered a really nice compliment yesterday. I got interviewed on a podcast and they were talking about how um, authentic I was. And I was like, well, I, I don't know. I don't try to be somebody I'm not. I'm Sean on the podcast and that Sean mm-hmm. is the same Sean that walks down the street. You want to talk to me about some things? I'm, I'm open. I might I say a bit more on the street because, you know, sitting across here, I try to let the guest do the speaking if I can and, uh, and try and learn something along the way. But like, no, there's no, you're not going to, I'm not going to go back through this and edit out things that Josh said. People know that by now. Um, You never knew what you were in for when you No, no, no. But that's the excitement. This is, this is, you know, this is. As real as it gets. Sean's going to walk away from this conversation and be like beaming for the rest of the day because I look for conversations like this. Nice. I look for conversations where somebody is going to stir up some discussion in my own life not you know par for the course and we just kind of move along and it's 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 like no i'm i'm looking you know i want i want to be i want my brain to be teased mm-hmm. and to think about things 
and to to add discussion to to people's lives. If I'm not doing that, I'm not doing my job. Uh, so you walking in, you're right. I had no idea who you were. No. I'm like, well, the Lord sets you up, man, because. I mean, Robbie Noble mentioning your name two days before Tyson Moorbutter mentioning your name and saying, hey, you got to meet this guy. He got backbone. He speaks truth. Um, I think he's a Christian. Um, uh, I said, no, I'm on board. And I said, the Lord's kind of confirmed it, you know, a few days before. I'm going to phone him right away. I've never done a podcast. I never, I'm no public speaker really to mention. I mean, this is just something new the Lord's doing in my life. But no, I give you credit, man, for you. Being willing to speak truth and let some wild card Jesus freak like me in here, yeah, you're probably going to get a few people ruffled up. But um, if ten people's lives are changed for the better, it's worth it. If one person's life, if yeah. one, one, yeah. even one, yeah. I mean, the Lord He sailed all across the whole Red Sea just for one demoniac, and they kicked him out because I mean they weren't real keen on hearing the truth either. But um, yeah, I guess I should probably put some focus on the man camp. Um, that uh, I I think if people are interested in the man camp, yeah, they got the dates. You they bet. got in the show notes. Yeah, they got June the link. June tenth and eleventh. Yeah, um, we have the ability to rent the camp. The camp beside this camp that we used last year, they said, "Oh, there's no way we can rent you our camp." I mean, it has nothing to do with your camp, and they've been separate for like sixty some years. My buddy was discouraged. He really tried to get it because we might need overflow, right? And uh, I said, Jarl, it's not really our idea to do this camp. I mean, if God wants us to rent this camp, he'll make a way. And so we'll pray about it, put it in, in his hands and not worry about it. For a month and a half, we never heard back from that camp again. And then they contacted my buddy, who's like the logistics guy, and said, hey, we've changed our mind, and we'd like to rent you that camp if you still want it. So we have room. We can take like 600-plus guys now because of this other camp. And so if there's a wave of men that want to go deeper in their walk with the Lord, they want some fresh fire, uh, they want to be encouraged and strengthened in their walk, or they want to just find Christ for the first time, yeah, you you go to that Moose Lake Pentecostal link, you search Full Armor of God Man Camp, and you sign up. We'll make a way. If there's 10,000 guys show up, we'll make a way. We're just going to have to clean out the Hutterite colony in the superstore to feed them. But we'll do it. Where Where is the man camp? Like, where does it actually... It's just west of Bonneville. West of Bonneville. Yep, 20 minutes west of Bonneville on the far west end of Moose Lake. There's Francher Bay, and then there's this Moose Lake Pentecostal camp. Um, there's a colony nearby, so if like 1,000, 5,000 guys show up, we're going to clean them out. But uh, come one, come all. Anybody wants more of Jesus? Anybody wants to be a part of the manliest church you ever saw? You come along. Well, let's do this. Let's. Uh, it, it's funny. I I've been enjoying the chat. Um, you ain't ruining anything, and I want to make sure you uh, leave here knowing that. Like to me, no, to I me, to me, this is what I do. This yes, is. You, you didn't know what you were walking into. This is an open mic to <laughs> you, say whatever you, you want to say. A, a cowboy from the sticks to come and talk. Cowboy preacher. Mm-hmm. It's like sounds yeah. like an interesting combination to me. My email address is Jesus Freak, E Z. <laughs> 389, EZ being Ezekiel 389, it says he's made your head as hard as flint, harder than Emery, right? That's these preachers. They said, man, you got a hard head. You're, you're such a blunt force object for Christ. They give me that EZ 389. And yeah, I'm a freak for Jesus, man. Well, let's do the crude master final question. Okay. Uh, 
We can go for as long as you want. It doesn't matter. No, no. I, I think we've, we probably push it too far. We'll lose people. No, ah, no, no. Once again, you don't know this. So the crew master, I'm going to let you think about this while I talk okay. past it. But the crew master's final question is, if you uh, believe in a cause, stand behind it. Absolutely. What's one cause that Josh stands behind? So what, what's one thing you stand behind? But while you think on that, and I'm sure it isn't hard to think on, the thing is, is like, I stumbled into a podcast in 2018. It was Joe Rogan. Listen to it. I, I wish I could remember the episode. You know, I'd love to say it was Jordan Peterson for the first time, but I actually have no idea who it was. And I was just like enthralled by it. Now, I drove a lot back then, and I don't drive nearly as much anymore, so I have to find alternative means to listen to my podcast, right? But uh, I find there's times where Joe Rogan's conversations go three-plus hours, and you're angry at the end when it ends because it's been so good and so interesting and so something you, you don't normally hear. I listen. I've been. I, I've I've gone to church. Uh, I, you know, since I was eighteen, and I walked away from my parents' house. Right, and was out on my own. I didn't. You know, I can count. Not count. I mean, it's not that many times I've gone to church. Every time it's like ears closed off. I'm not hearing what. Nobody can get through my thick skull. Yeah, I'm just like done with this. Harden your heart to it. And and it's just it's almost like I just I don't want to be there. But I rationalized in my brain like. It's an hour, Sean. Just get through it. Life will go on, right? And 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 so it does. But I also think back to that. I'm like, there was never one person who got up on stage, talking the Bible, Word of God, everything you're you're talking, and and found a way to get through my dense skull. And then over the last you know a couple months here, you know, uh, certainly Tanner and a day, and I bring him up lots because I find our conversations extremely interesting. Mm-hmm. And he's a godly man. And and he's young, he's 24. Hmm. And he has a way of quoting the Bible like you've never seen. Like, it's just like, it's like, how do you remember all that? But you've, I mean, in saying that, folks, I think we can all agree, Josh has done a, a pretty uh, dang good job of that as well. So to me, you, uh, no, it, the people who tuned in the first five minutes and realized what this was going to be and they turned it off, they're, hmm. far, they're few and far between. My audience listens to, it's like, I forget what the number was the last time I checked. It's like 90 some percent listens to the last like two seconds. So this this isn't where it's like oh we probably t-. it's like no they're they're along for the ride I'm along for the ride on so many other podcasts and when you hit the nail on the head mm-hmm. you get this guest they're like I don't know if I believe all this but this is fascinating you don't want it to end and I'm not saying yeah. you talk just to talk but you should pull that thought from your head you're on a podcast no, I, I just this wasn't is, sure no I, I mean time flies when 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 this happens and this some whatever catalyst comes yeah. together to make this work like this you and i could sit like this all day i didn't i've never listened to a podcast i'll be honest i'm the least technological guy you ever met well i'll hook you up with the first one i did with tanner in a day that, yeah. that way when you leave here you got something for your ride home i'm probably going to be hooked man because when i travel i don't have a lot to listen to and so this is probably going to be something the lord's going to use to like educate me a bit well i mean the the, the world set your fingertips when it comes to podcasts you want to find a podcast on anything mm-hmm. yeah i know a few anything. of my buddies is totally hooked yeah, but I mean, for me specifically, if you want to know more about what the podcast is and, and who specifically, you know, like I'm going to send this to Tanner for sure. I think this is right up his alley, you know, <laughs> but at the same time, if you want to go, who, you know, as I mentioned his name like 10 times, it's like you want to go listen to a young kid around the area that's. Now I got to meet this guy. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll saddle up two horses and we can spend the day. Well, you already promised you're going to take me to. Uh, I got to get horses rode. I need guys to help me. Oh, that's easy. Yeah, that's easy. 
Oh, that's good. We'll make we'll make a day of it because yeah. uh, you know there's there's nothing like uh, it's incredible seeing some things and having a conversation. Now, as I babble on, <laughs> what's one thing that Josh stands behind? Hmm. Well, I stand behind the Lord Jesus Christ now, lock, stock, and barrel, because I mean to find out that Jesus Christ is everything the Word of God says He is, and everything grandmother told me and my mother told me years ago is is absolutely life-changing. I mean, He showed up in my life, and He literally enabled me to rout out everything that was destroying me and replaced it with joy and peace and wholeness and purpose and freedom from those things. You can't experience something like that and keep it to yourself. I would be some kind of a heartless, cowardly man to find something that literally transforms lives, sets people free, bridges the gap between a fallen mankind and God the Father, and not share that with the world. I stand behind the gospel of Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ is Lord. effect that's it you mentioned your mother uh oh i put her through the mill bro i mean i'm assuming my mother is listening to this right now and Mm -hmm. uh you know i've i haven't exactly been easier on her either um have you talked to your mom or your grandmother if she's oh yeah they know but how does that conversation go because let's assume that back then, they know what you know now, right? Mm. That's what I'm going to assume. Oh, so man. that means they're watching this go on, going... <laughs> they walked by faith and not by sight because <laughs> everything they saw said they were going to lose their son and grandson before he turned 20. He didn't back up. He picked fights with dangerous people, and he lived a life of absolute chaos, like a Pantera death metal song on repeat for, until he turned 21. Uh, when my mom encounters ladies who are standing in the gap interceding for sons, grandmothers, even men and grandfathers that are believing God to reach their kids in some way to pull them out of that, you know, that spiral of death that they're in, my mom says, you got to, you got to see my boy. He's living proof, like a living Lazarus. He's living proof that the Lord can take the worst, the darkest, the most violent, chaotic people and transform their lives completely. I, I got to introduce you to him, right? You got to, you know, you got to hear what God did in his life. They literally, these people, my mother, my grandmother, my, my grandfather, for instance, they have, they have a testimony of purity, you know, not maybe not front lines evangelistic, you know, ministry but uh purity i mean they've served the lord for years and years and years and years um they use my testimony a lot of times to prove that it's not hopeless and it's not impossible like for years they prayed for me and i showed no sign of turning no sign of of uh slacking off at all like as pedal to the metal full throttle right to the end and then all of a sudden I mean, they had no reason to think that I was ever going to pull out of it. Their prayers were answered. And I didn't just find Jesus. 
I mean, some of my family wishes that I'd have found a little less Jesus. <laughs> uh, my wife, for instance, for the first while, like even this last couple of years, when she, I think she kind of in, would have preferred if I'd have, um, you know, <laughs> found uh, half of what I found in Christ. Because, I mean, she would love to have me um, love the Lord and serve the Lord, but maybe not make him absolutely foremost in every area of my life. I know that she's... In the last couple of years, the Lord's done a real work between us, and she knows like the fruit of this is nothing but good. So she 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 no longer um, tries to you know steal me away from it at all, or or try to. Uh, she's actually come alongside me and encourages me and and helps me and assists me. If she gets one more call from guys from Man Camp and has to help them sign up through the online registration. She will, but I mean, she's swamped with that. Um, no, that mother, that wife, that grandmother, you know, believe in God that He's gonna like intervene in their loved ones' lives. Um, no matter what they see, they got to just continue thanking God in faith for doing it. And I mean, that really shows faith in Christ, right? You ask Him for something, and you keep asking Him, you keep asking Him, you keep asking Him. But when you start thanking Him for it, that's like saying, I know you're good for it, and thank you for doing what I've asked you. <coughs> well, I, I don't know why uh, the story that pops into mind, he, he's passed away now, but Ron Harris Jr. was at a, I did a series of 49 interviews for the city of Lloyd uh, with the Lloyd Archives. And so I was interviewing these um I would say the youngest was probably 60, was it as young as 60, 65, the oldest was mid to late 90s and got to hear their story and their you know and some of the wisdom that came out and ron harris jr lately has really been um on my mind i guess because he talks about becoming an alcoholic and uh um and kind of wandering through life just chasing the bottle and and how he got into it and and you know he talks about like uh young kids and, and and back then john wayne drinking it was always whiskey and so anyways he just he just talks about how he just kind of went into it and he was a, you know part of the lloyd border kings back in the day and uh, not playing for him but as i believe as an equipment manager and anyways he ends up i, I believe it's in bc and i feel like i'm I, I i started listening to it and i don't know why i didn't finish so i'm gonna go do that again folks but so i can get the, the facts straight but like what always stuck with me is he walks he's he walks into this place that he thinks is a bar and it's not a bar. It looks like a bar, but it's it's actually for people struggling. It's like Alcoholics Anonymous. It's people, and, and he leaves because they want to take his beer, and he's got to walk around with beer. And but then he goes back 15 minutes later, and he, he can't understand why he's drawn to it. But he gives his beer over, and and and. But I'm gonna get it back when I leave. Yeah, for sure we'll get it back. But while you're here, there's no drinking. Okay. And so he goes in, and then he starts going there, and he starts going there, and he starts going there, and then he changes his entire life around. Ends up moving back to Lloyd and becoming a community pillar to where the city of Lloyd looks at him and goes, you are worthy of being interviewed for your story. Now, I, do they know that's his story? I have no idea. It's for his works in the city. And anyways, the whole point of this is, is I go, so what is that? What is it where you're walking around and you find by chance this place that looks like a bar because you want to drink more and you mm -hmm. walk in and it is the complete opposite? And his answer then was my parents never stopped praying 
And I don't think I understood back then. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, kind of like, what? But the longer (coughs) I do this and the more people I talk to and the more people that I stumble into that have a background in faith and and really um, talking openly about it, the more you start to go, oh, right? Like, to me... uh, Imagine like having your mom sit here and, and, and listen, you know, and have this conversation because she's been, you know, like I can't imagine. I got young kids mm-hmm. to have a, a child go through that and you go like, oh, I just, I got to trust and I got to have faith. And I got to pray about it. It's like, that seems. She had no reason to have faith other than her faith in Christ because I never give her any reason. And in the Western world, we're so, I don't know, is it logical? Mm-hmm. Like we just like pragmatic. I, I don't know the word that that's is where we're at. We don't put any, and I shouldn't say we don't, certainly I didn't, and I think a lot of people don't, put any <coughs> weight on the scale for that type of thing. It's all like, well, he got hooked in the drugs at a young age because this happened and this happened. If they would have done this different, and they would have, and blah, 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 blah. And it never entered, unless maybe you're in a church, then maybe it, the, the discussion it. opens up about that. But nobody ever talks about that. That's it. And it wasn't the drugs that was the real big problem. That's why I say I'm not, a, where it says we're not um, at war against the flesh, the people. We're against the things behind it, the darkness, the rulers of the darkness, the principalities and So what, what pushed you into the dark? Like if you were to walk back through your early days. Yep. What was the thing that drew you over to that side, wanting to fight and, and, and drink and do all those things? Like, was it one thing that you just like, this was it? My dad was a Titan He when he played junior hockey, and uh, he was a real athletic hockey player. Um, he was a defenseman, and he laid the knuckles down. And uh, I always looked up to him that way. And I, just personality-wise, uh, high energy and abnormally aggressive physically, like... Uh, yeah, it's it's. I guess a bunch of it would be genetic, but uh, I looked up to those guys, and uh, like you're imprinted by those that you want to be like. And as a little boy, you looked up to the tough guys. You seen the hockey fights. You seen the the John Waynes of this world, and you wanted to be just like him. You know, what little boy really grew up wanting to be like his auntie? Um, I had some really cool uncles. Uh, that lifestyle has since destroyed their lives, but they were drinkers and, and they smoked and uh, real tough guys, and I grew up wanting to be just like them. But then to be like them, I made some poor decisions and uh, a lot of willful sin, man, and the, the choices you make affect your tomorrow big time. And uh, I exposed myself to some dark things, man, through you know incredible violence. Um, drugs and alcohol, I mean, when you willingly take uh, the bottle in your hand uh, or you, you know, consume drugs willingly, you're, you're opening yourself up to a world that's, you, you just trend that and look back at people that have made those choices. It, it's common. It destroys most all of them eventually or takes some kind of huge negative toll on their life. And I just continued because I'm, I'm so hardcore in most ways. I'm all or nothing like I... I'm either all in or all out. I'm playing to win. I'm definitely not even considering losing. We're going to try our best. Um, but I, I I just compounded that over and over again, that willful sin, those poor decisions, surrounded myself with bad company. The word says bad company corrupts good morals, right? 
and I just surrounded myself with people that made me feel comfortable making those mistakes and uh, and some dark things I'm sure were allowed into my life um, it wasn't the booze and the drugs I mean those those did a lot of damage to me right but it was the reason I was trying to like fill that void with those things it was excitement it was the rush I rode bucking horses uh, I fought constantly for that thrill that pride and trying to satisfy that emptiness um, you know the, the the ladies in the beginning the things the adrenaline rushes the sports like I, I just didn't do anything that wasn't physical or like um, exciting right but it wasn't those things that were my problem when I when I surrendered to Christ and found the Lord he cured the problem that I was trying to use those things to medicate or trying to use those things to remedy. And I didn't have to fight those things altogether. The problem went away, and so did they. I haven't had to spend time in Alcoholics Anonymous. I mean, I was crushing a half of 26 a day. Um, the drugs and alcohol, I couldn't, I couldn't seem to quit them at all. Once I found the Lord Jesus and surrendered to Him and realized the you know, that he cared for me and, and, and offered me a, a future, that stuff just fell away. I didn't have to fight addiction, nothing. You really, you know, it's true. You seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, he takes care of the rest. Yeah, the booze and the drugs and the adrenaline and all the excitement, that was just what I was trying to fill it with. He's actually the remedy not some kind of medicinal aid. Well, I appreciate you coming in and doing this. Yeah. I'll be interested to see. <laughs> I laugh, folks, but I'll be interested to see what the feedback comes off of this one is, you know? Uh, controversial isn't the, isn't the word that I think when I think of this. It's just when you see the name Josh Allen on the podcast, mm -hmm. as your name fits in with so many different other names, you know, I got listeners across Canada and the States. So they're, you know, like, how did they find Sean Newman? I, I don't know. Like, it, at times you just go, I don't know. But certainly uh, from the podcast, my audience, right? Nobody, the way you get suggested to me is not obscure because this happens lots. But I, I think it's kind of obscure. It's not because you were on shows talking and somebody stumbled across you. It's because of two conversations that happen in my opinion one mm -hmm. is sam is in one of the conversations and then the other one is robin telling you mm -hmm. and because of that this happens it's like i i mean but how else would i have ever figured this out maybe i would have heard of the men's camp and i would have been like oh this is a really cool idea like certainly folks that could have happened that's not the way it happened and usually the way guests gets thrown at me all the time is they've been on somewhere mm -hmm. they've been interviewed and they're like you need to interview this person this is super unique so i'm 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 curious what happens to the phone line the text line after this comes out you know good bad and different um and i implore people to you know reach out on the text line I, i'd be curious to hear people's thoughts because there's a you know there's a there's a huge portion of my listeners that um 
are feeling called to the Bible specifically. It's something that comes up a lot. Mm-hmm. Feeling called to it, drawn to it. I grew up in a Christian house, but I never, you know, really paid any attention. I actually moved away from it, didn't really want anything to do with it. But over the course, specifically over the course of the last couple of years, I've been getting pulled back to it, but it's uncomfortable. And I don't know if I want to talk about it. And, you know, then they, they usually thank me for sharing my journey. And I'm like, well, this has been the ride of the podcast since day one. Well, the, the is, Word of God is the ticket, really, because before the Word of God, there was a, a Muslim friend of mine uh, from Lebanon. He was a cool guy, tough guy. Shot six times during some kind of skirmish between Ooh. rebels. Um, he said, man, your life's getting dark. Um, at that point... I won't go into detail on how dark, but he was aware. I'd see him every day for meals. I'd pay my tab a week in advance and eat at his restaurant. He said, you need help, buddy. You need to somehow get a hold of your life because eventually you're going to lose it. And uh, he gave me a Quran. I read that Quran a bunch. There was a bunch of, you know, wisdom in there and different proverb-type teachings and stuff. And I mean, if you if you if you applied those teachings to certain areas of life, I'm sure there'd be some benefit. But when I picked up even even Buddhist holy books and things like that, there's always a few truths. But when I picked up the Holy Bible, and I begin to read that book, man, I, I that book began to read me. That book began to open my eyes spiritually like nothing else on this planet could. And. Uh, I began to hear the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit lead me, man. He led me right out of hell on earth. And that's what I share with people because that's the only thing i ever seen reconstruct a broken life like that. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you. I'm going to say it one more last time. I appreciate you coming in and doing this. We could probably do this for a few more hours. Yeah, and, we better cut it off. And, and it's, it's funny. I, I don't want to cut it off. But at the same time, I'm like, I want to be very respectful of your time and, and everything else. And we'll see what the audience thinks, you know. Like maybe yes, they'll be screaming out for a little cowboy preacher. I hope I can call you that. <laughs> you I, can, buddy. I, to me. Call I, me whatever you want. Yeah, that's, um, but either way, thank, thank you for coming in and doing this and doing it in person, you know. Uh, I've been getting more and more use out of this place, uh, it seems, day by day. And I ain't nothing better than sitting across from somebody. Yeah, this has been a blessing. I, I, it's a privilege and honor. I didn't know what to expect. This has been good. I, don't, I look forward to that ride you promised me. Sounds good. All right, buddy.